This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of NRL Boom Rookies. I am Matt Bungard, and alongside me, as always, Mitch Doyle. Hello. Good day, everybody. Uh, we decided to do something a little bit different uh, just for the first half of the show. We've got four teams left. Obviously, I am here representing South Sydney as a diehard fan. So we thought it might be fun to get both a Penrith fan and a Melbourne fan on the show with Mitch playing the role of Manly fan because he's <laughs> a posh North Shore toff and he didn't want to be left out. I love them. So I please welcome Emma Sprouster and uh, making his debut on the podcast, Ben Qualiata. Hello. Good. And you can say hello first. Oh, yeah. Already a standoff. Both declined both to speak first. Yo, this is a salary negotiation, man. Like, I'm not talking first. Yeah. Oh, I'll speak. Hello. <laughs> Fantastic. I just want to speak to Sam what's speaking Yeah, first. he's cracked. I'm, cracked, I'm, cracked I'm, I'm just here so I don't get fined. <laughs> uh, I just want to say I'm very proud of my Manly Ringer Seagulls mm. this week. Uh, I'm an ardent fan. I um I love franking credits. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, complaining about any type of uh, train line or system or people getting public transport to my perfect beaches. I love yeah. that. But how about that uh, bridge? What are your thoughts on only, mosques? If you're really fast and can play on the wing, uh, good. You're right. allowed to have other political opinions. If you're not, get out. It's not that I'm not. Pro mosque, it's I'm very against mosques. Ah, yes, okay. <laughs> makes sense. Sort of, sort of put that out there, very against the idea of them. And yep, uh, no, totally happy fair. of those. Uh, not right. around, you know. God, it's like you never got, left, Mitch. The only rats we want around our area mate, are the ringer rats. Good okay? answer. Um, all right, so let's 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 start there then. So we've got Friday night at Suncorp, the Rabbitohs of South Sydney against the Seagulls of Manly. Um, I think most people, even the most one-eyed Seagulls fans, would probably concede that Souths have the better squad for this game, but Manly have the best player on the field. So, Mitchell, we'll start with you. Manly come into this game as outsiders. What do they need to take away from that game against the Storm two weeks ago and where they went wrong to get it right for this game against South? Well, uh, I wouldn't go saying the South are a Storm-like opposition for, the, for Manly, but... It's it's been really hard all season, as we said, to to quantify how many they're going to go against other actual big dogs because they haven't been the same script they've played with all the other fixtures they've had this year. But with that being said, I don't know how they win without playing what they do now. Like they've just got to hope they flatten you, right? Like I think that's what Manly's hope again is that we flatten you because they haven't proven they can win other ways from mine. And maybe I'm wrong, but it feels like they need to do the same thing of starting strong, hammer the rock. They'd probably target Damien Cook around the ruck with physicality, which teams do. And when, when you guys generally lose in the ruck area, it's because someone's found Damien Cook in the defensive line too many times. Yeah. Probably do the same thing. Just hammer the middle and then hope to catch on the edges out there with speed as they do against everybody else. And uh, yeah, I don't know if they've got another recipe to winning games. Maybe they do that I haven't seen, but that's just how they win football yeah. games. And I, I, help, I just help happens again. I look at their team and I, I look at guys like Martin Tapown, maybe two or three years ago, a guy like that would have really terrified me in that spot, but I just don't see the, I just don't see the guy turbo aside. who's going to really have them winning at the advantage line. You know what I mean? Like they've got some good players. Don't get me wrong, but I just think that the South forward pack is better. Um, so M you saw this firsthand two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> what can Manly win this game? 
I mean, I'm no expert, but I don't think so. Um, not based on what I've seen. When they play teams that are not, I don't know how to be offensive, not as good as other teams, <laughs> um, they seem to bully the shit out of them, right? And they seem to, like, absolutely run riot. But when they come up against some of these other teams like Melbourne, like Souths, they don't seem to have as much success or they don't seem to find as, as much space. And I don't know whether it's that the the teams at the top of the table, you know, get up in their face more or or whether they, you know, procure more errors from, from Manly, but they just don't seem to have the space and the time to move that they would have, let's say, against, like, the Cowboys, you know, whether they scored a try in the last minute because they just felt like it. Um, I don't see that kind of game happening for them. And that's why I don't, like Mitch said, if they don't have that kind of game, I don't see how they win because they're not a grinding kind of team for mine. Yeah, they um if it was South twelve weeks ago, I'd have said, Oh man, they could they can beat them physically and blow them off the park. But I think yeah. they've really got the balance right with with starting Nichols to Toller and Murray and then bringing on Burgess and Arrow. And it's not not many teams these days do that when they when they load the bench. Not many teams are doing that at the moment. But I really think it's a way to combat what Manly have been getting good at and it's what they did it with Penrith as well like when Manly are generally taking advantage of the other team's big fellas slowing down and when they're not fresh and when they you know they're getting over the advantage line they actually bring on their big fellas fresh you know so when Dylan Walker comes in the field he's going to come on against a, a feet Tom Burgess not a 30 minutes gas Tom Burgess mm. so I think that's an interesting blend that they'll come up against but just the way South handled no Luttrell the other ga- other week and just how they seem so ready for the for the finals, like how physical they played. It's hard to think Manly are going to get that upper hand. So it does make you think, once again, they're relying on individual brilliance from Tommy Turbo with a bit of DCE sprinkled in and maybe Jason Saab scores a full fielder to beat South. Ben, you, you obviously watched that game pretty closely two weeks ago. What have South done better since those, I guess, matchups in the middle of the season where they got towed up by... <laughs> Both your lot and what was, Melbourne. What was it? What's the official title? Yeah, what, Dicking in Dubbo, as you pointed. Oh, out. that. What? Oh. What? What did they do? I mean, I, obviously, you were a little bit shocked at how that game went two weeks ago. But what did they do better in that game? Uh, yes, it was. You're right. Um, like Mitch said, they got the balance right with the forwards, and I think if you looked at the the famous Sticking in Dubbo versus two weeks ago, <laughs> it's it's I didn't really know it had a question. Name. Sorry. Well, I mean, the fact it's that it was in name. Dubbo and not like just at this, like Penrith Park or whatever it makes it so much better. Mm. But um, no, so like you look at two weeks ago compared to that game and it's like, I think Penrith went into that game and everyone would have thought, you know, Fisher-Harris, uh, Leota before he got ruled out, Isaiah Yo, like these rep caliber forwards would dominate that advantage line and then they'd allow like Coruscant to roll forward and Cleary and Luai to work on that space. As soon as Souths won that battle and started getting like, forcing guys on their back and the slow play of the balls and they couldn't get the space. That's when their guys started to roll. And I don't think Manly's got the forward pack Penrith does to be able to maybe combat that. Like I was shocked at how, like not to say arrogant, but I was shocked at how well Souths controlled the middle in that Mm. first final. And I just look at Manly's pack up and down and it's like, they're good players, but I don't think they're the caliber across the whole pack that Penrith have in a go forward capacity. So I think, Stouts, if they just repeat that formula, it should be, you know, a lot easier for guys like Cody and Reynolds and Blake Doff to, you know, get that roll on from that. 
And I think I've been doing from, that all day. You've been saying that all day. I think apart <laughs> from Blake Torf, I think um, apart from him, like I think Souths have got the advantage of pretty much every other position in the back line, right? Uh, I, think I think the back three of, of Manly is, is significantly superior to Souths. And, yeah, but yeah, pretty much everywhere else. As if you looked at it as units, then yeah, probably Manly's back three. But like, yeah, if you wanted to be finicky. I can go spot by spot. Yeah, it's probably South Center. I mean, I wouldn't say that Jackson slide. Paulo and Alex Johnson are worse than Ruben Garrick and Jason Sub. I think it's all pretty even. With those I, guys. I would say that. No, <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, are we really taking? You really think that Jason Sub couldn't do Alex Johnson's job twice on Sundays and three times on Saturdays? He could do it easily. And J- Jackson Paulo had like two good first grade games. Yeah, as, a, as opposed, but as opposed to both those manly guys, you haven't benefited at all from the new rules and a team running downhill against shit teams. You're right. It's been all individual brilliance no, from Ruben no, Garrett. I'm saying, right. I'm saying Saab could yeah, do Johnson's spell. job. I think of being all four of them. Yeah. I think if you swap the wingers on these teams, they're in the exact nah. same spots. Is my nah. point. Oh, okay. not, he's the worst one of those four. Well, I think <laughs> that's probably that's probably fair. But he had yeah. the game of his life two weeks ago. Yeah. Anyway, I was, we're getting three allies here, and he's been. We're getting. <laughs> we're getting I, want to, I want to die on this hill. I want to die on Jackson Paulo versus Ruben Gary. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting <laughs> too into the weeds here, but anyway, it's fine. What do you reckon, Bungard? Uh, I think we'll win easily, mate. Um, I, I just they left so many points out there against Penrith, who are a much better team than Manly, and. The things Manly do well will not work against Souths. Um, I was going to say, Manly have lost to uh, the Storm once, Souths once, and Penrith twice mm. this season. Like, they didn't win against any of those teams. So I don't see a scenario, even if they beat you, it doesn't matter who they come up against in the grand final. I don't see them doing it twice, you the, know? Like, this, unless something substantial yeah. changes of how they've been playing all year. You can- Pretty much right off that first Souths game because they played in like absolutely pouring rain in Brookvale and also Tom Tavoyevich didn't play. But you're like, so we don't really know how Souths and Manly are going to match up against each other because they like a full strength Manly haven't matched up against a full strength Souths in more than I just, a year. But what I'm what I'm getting at is that I think that there are more similarities between teams like Melbourne and Souths and Penrith. Yeah, than yeah, there yeah are, I agree, hundred percent. Then there are you know different ways in which Manly can change up their yeah. game plan. I mean, we'll probably talk about it a bit more later about how Penrith have, Penrith's gameplay has changed over the season, how Melbourne's gameplay has changed over the season, mm. and, and how Souths has, but Manly's hasn't. Like basically from what week five when Tommy Turbo came in, they've been playing the same style of football now for twenty weeks, you know. And I mm. think that they've been found out. Um, teams like Melbourne have given everyone the game plan on how to beat them and how to neutralize Tommy. And I think that, you know, South will take that. Bennett's a master coach. He'll apply whatever he needs to apply and he'll, they'll yeah. just do it again. You I know? agree. I, I mean, you look at that game for two weeks ago and yeah, I know like are South as good as Melbourne. Yes, they are. But like, <laughs> I knew that's what you would Ooh, get from what I said. There. Again. Yeah. But um, I just, I haven't seen enough from Manly in any, in any setting this year where they've faced a scary of adversity. They haven't shown me the ability to overcome that. And there'll well, be some adversity on Friday, I think. Like, you look at Manly's style and, like, that forward pack, and it kind of relies on them winning that battle so that the defensive line compresses and then they shift it to their speed merchants mm-hmm. and go from there. They're not going to make this South... I don't think, anyway, they're going to make this South forward pack compress that much. So they'll be able to maintain their width no, I think better, it, better than you, someone like the Roosters would, sorry. Exactly. And if you put enough defenders on on Tommy, for example, what he ends up doing is he ends up running Ruben Garrick and similar out of space because he's got nowhere to go. So 
I think South will be able to do that plenty fine. They've got enough speed to match, you know, and they've got enough, like you said, with the forward rotation, I think they're, they're going to have enough fresh legs on the field that they're going to be able to counteract those things that Manly have done so well all season. Mm. Yeah, I think one thing they could probably do if they if Tommy was going to be met with the same defense he gets met, met from, with the Storm, is he has to play back on the inside a bit more himself. Mm. Like, he gets to play back on the inside to himself off the, from other guys. But, like, say Cam Murray's on Tommy Turbo watch. Well, then Tommy Turbo's got to offer the ball a bit more, give it to other people when they, when they chase up the guts. But I do think... Um, that's probably what will happen. I think Cam Murray will be following him out the back of shape a bit, roving from the middle. As We've seen sometimes in big games where all of a sudden Cam Murray's making tackles all over the field. I think he'll be doing that in this game. And I just don't think Manly's defense has improved enough. South was terrible at the start of the year, and it has improved enough. But you, you Manly, on a week-to-week basis, are still conceding like 18 points to the Bulldogs, 18 to the Raiders, 18 to the Cowboys, 40 to the Storm. Not great, but, you know, the the... South's defense has tightened up in, in games when they've you know, switched off some games and have got a mile ahead, but it's tightened up in games that, that you know, kind of mattered. Like 10 to Penrith, 16 Dragons, 12 Roosters, 6 to the storm. Titans. Yeah, but that's early. I know <laughs> that happened, but the last five to six weeks, the Bunnies really tightened their defense up, and I think that's kind of what matters. And I do think whilst Manly, as we know, really do gut teams, they don't win the positional battle on the field as good as the other top four sides do that are left they do defend more on their goal than the other teams do they do end up down the end of the field more than the other teams do so I think South are good enough to probably pin them down a little a bit more than they're used to at the moment yeah um if this game was a Brookvale I'd give Manly a pretty good chance I just mm. can't say on a neutral side and you know I think obviously Souths probably have a far will probably have far more support in Suncourt with Wayne Bennett there with Adam Reynolds coming next year. And plus they're just being more South fans around the country than there are Manly fans, I think. Um, yeah, look, Manly, of course they could win the game. If their forwards get on top and Tontovic has a blinder, they can absolutely win. But I think that this is the first time in, of the four prelims, the three we've lost and now this year, I think this is by some distance the most confident I felt before one of them. And if they lose, that's going to suck. But I don't think they will. That is an interesting question, though, because um, I never really got to ask you about how you felt before coming into last year's prelim. Mm. Nah, I thought we'd... I I probably tipped us to win on here because I probably, like, have to, you know? But, like, I thought Penrith and Melbourne were the two best teams all year last year. And I said that for most of this year, but then just the stuff that happened in week one of the finals made me reassess that we are actually yeah. pretty good. The week off's huge, too. The week the off, off is massive for you guys. And you, you know, know what happened the last time we had a week off? <laughs> Did you win? We did. We won the premiership. I'm so, very happy for you. Yeah. Winning premierships is nice. We can it all is. To that. Highly recommend. Only two of us have ever put a Facebook post up about it, though. Isn't that something? I hope to experience that one day. Maybe. <laughs> and could, could be this year. So we'll move on to Saturday night. Actually, no, sorry. Your predictions. I'm going to say South Sydney 28, Manly 10. Oh, we're doing it NFL styles. I like this. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, it, it, come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, South's. 30 manly 18 okay emma um i'm gonna buck the trend and i'm gonna say south 13 plus oh i like that as a as a lifelong manly fan it's hard hard not to back my boys in here but um, if this was cold you'd be going for them right yeah, uh, I, I probably I think South will win. I'm thinking something like 16-14, I think. 
I think <laughs> South slowed the last game down as much as they could and controlled as much as they could. And I think yeah. they're probably trying to do the same thing. Um, I do wonder whether South had already played their grand final, though. Nah, come on. You know, like that, that was a huge game. You, it can't, was, you can't deny how enormous can, the game was. I, I judge that more from like the reaction from the fans and the players afterwards rather than the result itself. Like you didn't hear, you didn't have like, South players or Wayne Bennett or anything getting carried away like you sometimes do see in moments like that. Mm, but mm. they were like, yeah, it's just another win and we've got two more to go. So, like, yeah. Well, if there's anyone I trust to pull it all back together, it's uh, Wayne Bennett. <laughs> Me too. All right. Uh, Mitchell, you said also South. You say it's got 16-14. I'm very nervous yeah. if, if that's the result. But, uh, but yeah, well, mine, two... mine was a backdoor cover, so no stress. Okay. The last, <laughs> two times these, the, last two, the last time these two teams met the finals, it was a fantastic game in 2019. But my heart cannot handle that, so let's not do that again. Let's move on to a game that I don't have any emotional attachment and can hopefully be kicking back <laughs> and enjoying, just hoping, for, I, mate. hoping for suspensions galore. Saturday night, uh, Melbourne versus Penrith, a rematch of last year's grand final. For most of this year, the game that everyone said would be the grand final until the Grand Old Club had other ideas. So, M, are you just going to beat them easily again? Yes. Uh, okay, ben. question segment over. Okay, uh, <laughs> ben, do you still feel like Penrith are on top from the 2020 grand final? Oh, my God. I'm so happy well, I was actually at the grand final last year and I didn't have to listen to that shit. <laughs> my God. I've always I've always thought Gus was a, you know, a, a potent Careful. rugby league mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, what more can no, I say? Im- impotent was the <laughs> word. <laughs> um so yeah, this game, I think again, Melbourne going to this game is heavy favorites. Penrith actually much bigger outsiders than Manly on the sports books, which I think is right in this case. I think that is fair. Um, but it's crazy now that after the season they had that we're sitting here in week three of the finals with the, the Panthers like a $4 outsider to even make the grand final, much less win the premiership. But yeah, this is this drop-off we were talking about, right? <laughs> like it is the complete shift in the way they've played particularly in the back half of the season but even more specifically maybe the last five or six games where they've lost their attack they've lost that magic kind of mojo that they had you know uh luai hasn't looked as confident they've had injuries they've had positional changes they've had yao not going forward like he was and they've had nathan cleary out and about you know i think that they've had issues with their attack and i don't know whether they've straightened them back out yet Hmm. then You've got two tries in two weeks in the finals so far. Are you worried? No, everything's sweet, mate. No, yeah, I mean, look, like, I always give the boys a chance, but I think I'm going into this game fairly, like, not resigned, but, like, pretty comfortable that, like, knowing, like, we're probably going to lose. And, like, we've still got a really good defense. Like, if anything's going to, like, help us, it's going to be that. But it's more a question of how long that's going to hold out, I think. I wonder whether some of the players haven't already checked out as well. Like Kikau, you know, is having troubles with his contract and whatnot. I wonder, he's the one who put his hand under the ball of Justin Ollum in round three to win you that game against us. I wonder whether he does that again, you know, because I don't think he's got that in him at the moment. Ah, well, none of them do. (laughs) Um, No, look, like... I think you can like you can't point to any one like moment like Origin I guess sapped a bit like because these guys aren't used to that full rep calendar because like last year clearly would have had it after the season so it wouldn't have affected that too much but then Lilai his first Origin Toto first Origin they both get injured during that period Liam Martin's looked absolutely cooked since Origin and like he was crying out for a rest the last like two he weeks was of the really season really bad two weeks ago. Yeah, he was. And they brought back Tor early, which I was like, well, what's the, like, like for two, like, nothing games. 
Um, and now he's out again. Well, he might play, but like you don't know. Um, well, I saw a photo of his moon boot and it was like just a sock with some tape on it. So, <laughs> like, you know, fingers crossed. Um, but then, like, also Fisher Harris, he left the bubble for three weeks to go back to Sydney. And then he's come back and he hasn't, like, he's being, like, the numbers he's put up are, like, good for most front rowers. Not better than Mark but, Nichols, though. But, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Physicality is something like, there, hey. They haven't created yeah. that role on, but, like, Luai is so dependent, like, his style of play on ad lib and, like, on having room to move. That, and that hasn't been there the last few weeks. And like, like his form has suffered because of that. And he's like trying shit that like would be coming off at the start of the season, but he's like expecting the scenarios to be the same. Whereas like, he's not reading the defense as much. And he's just so, like panicking a little bit. Yeah. Before he went on holidays, Fisher Harris had less than one, 250 meters in a game this season twice. Yeah. I think uh, and, he's not, yeah. he's cracked 100 once in the last four games. Like, That's not great. Yeah. Not great. Not as physical as he um as he has been before that. I think you know that. And Liam Martin, he looks to have really slowed down. Another guy who been invisible in the last two finals, or visible from the mistakes he was making. It always felt and the lack of physicality he was playing with. It's tough and it, it's I weird because he, like he came back from Origin right, and then he just like he was picked for Origin off the bench, and now mm-hmm. he's just like they just they've just started him for like it, like. So I think he's playing bigger minutes, and then like yeah, probably extra wear and tear. Because I don't think he, I don't think he's missed a game all season that he was available for. So, to me, you guys just aren't playing with that attitude and that chip on your shoulder that you had in the first half of the year when you were just punking everyone. Like that swagger just doesn't seem to be there at the moment. Even in the win last weekend, like I just don't know what it is exactly. I don't know why it's off, but Penrith just haven't looked very impressive in the finals so far. And- I, I think they've probably come to terms with their own mortality not to sound too dramatic <laughs> but like, no, like so like they've had like injuries at pretty bad times like Toto's been out for a few games just before the finals came back got hurt again they've shuffled that spine around so much that they haven't really had the consistency of players in the same spots that they did last year because there was no origin period so you've got you know Ratbag FC with Tyra and May playing like far too many minutes like <laughs> more than zero is too many really um and then you know burton shifting between center and five eighth um edwards coming in and out of the side with injuries you put Crichton back at fullback but then he goes onto the wing and then you bring momorowski into the center even though momorowski doesn't pass so why isn't he on the wing um plus he, he's really good at kicking in field as we all know so yeah i don't know there's been a lot of reshuffling of the parts that have been working and then i think ivan's also had like if there's one thing I complain about Ivan as a coach is he does get quite stubborn and inflexible with certain things like last year, Tyron May starting the grand final at center, even though Brent Nate and, and like obviously the stuff came out after the game, like would have been a dicey scenario if he had been caught, like tested and all that sort of stuff. But you start Tyron May in the grand final at center and then he just does Tyron May things, which are not good. And then this year you like persist with Tyron May again. You persist with Charlie Staines when it was so obviously not working you persist with Crichton on the wing when he's like your best athlete. Um, and he just, he gets frozen out out there. Yeah. I think, I think early in the podcast, we said, I can't believe how Penrith like maintain this high level of physicality and fitness and how they redline every week for like 12 weeks in a row. And actually, yeah, we're finally starting to see the impact of that. It feels like, they just don't feel like that cohesive high level unit. They were for such a long time. And I think it's crept into some indecision that you mentioned there of like, what even is the best 17 seems to be left. Like they'll, they'll play 
close to their best 17, but they still haven't even fixed, figured out like, are we starting Martin and and Kikau or, or, or sorry, Martin or Kikau? They still don't know which one they're going to start every other week. It feels like, and they still don't know like the Crichton and Momorowski thing. Why is Crichton not in the centers and Momorowski winning? I don't know. I don't know. It just feels like they're, it, they're both worse where they're being played. I don't know. But for for the Storm, though, for you guys, mate, it just feels like the Storm, like they haven't lost a prelim after a rest since like 2015, but they weren't, like in 2015, they came fourth. They weren't the strong team in the top four. They lost a prelim after a rest then. And before that last one lost, lost after a rest was like 2011. Like, and it's, yeah, it's some teams that might be the only prelims they've made, but the Storm make the prelim every year. So, you know, it's like they don't really lose in this situation. And it's weird to think you'd sit there looking at Penrith from what they could have been. Like, if this game was played 12 weeks ago, I'd have it like a dollar eighty to $2, you know, dollar eighty to the to Storm, $2 to Penrith. But it's mm. it's hard to to take the mental jumps required to think, Everything's going to work out for Penrith like it should. They're going to be physical. Brian Toll is going to be fine and be sick. Fisher Harris is going to lay down the law in the middle. You know, Pangai's going to come off the bench and make things happen. Like it's hard to think all that's just going to happen again in one week when it hasn't happened. Yeah, in six weeks. Especially like- when you consider that we we have a way we shift our mm-hmm. game plan when we play Penrith and it works for us. Like I don't see why we wouldn't just go back to that as well and and apply pressure to them in the exact same way that we did in the grand final, you know, and rattle them the same way really that we rattled um, Manly last two weeks ago, you know, just like come out early, come out swinging early points, you know, and just really like get them insecure, I suppose. Yeah, like to me, it's, I just, like, it's weird. Mitch is completely right in the sense that if this game had taken place a month ago, I'd be saying it's pretty much a coin flip. But instead, I just, I just don't know. I just don't know. And, and <laughs> I don't. And when I say I just don't know, I don't mean I don't know who's going to win. I don't know if it's even going to be like a contest. Look, I hope for my nerves that it isn't. But I <laughs> <laughs> big shout out to me. <laughs> yeah, big big shout out to me. I'm a big me guy, you know. Um... <laughs> I get I get shaky and nervy sometimes when I watch football matches that I don't know how they're going to turn out, which is why it's a good thing that I'm a Storm fan because predominantly I know how those games are going to turn out. But without sounding like a dick about it, I think Penrith's run at the grand final really was last year. I think when they had however many games they won in a row, what, 18 or something like that, you know, they had a system, they had a way of playing, they had consistency in their roster, they had every all five um, cylinders firing. You know, they didn't have the origin period, like you said, Ben, to like break up the season at all. They had a nice run of consistency where everyone knew what they were doing and everyone knew what the plays were and everyone was really, really, really well versed. And then I think you guys got jumped in the grand final, which you weren't expecting. You've tried to rally this year, but then you've had injuries, you've had origin, you've had all these other things come back and that's how it will be from now on. It's not 2020 was the outlier year, not the yeah. rule, you know? So I think the 2021 plus season. Plus Yeah, plus. And I think the 2021 <laughs> season is probably more reflective of what you guys will do with this cohort of players in that you will come out swinging at the start of the season. You'll play really well. You'll be affected by origin and then you'll try and rally for the end of the year. And I know that because that's how the Storm used to play when we had Billy, when we had Coops, and when mm-hmm. we had Cam. I think the best thing that the Storm ever did was move away from Australian origin eligible players and move towards Kiwis and 
you know, Tongans and Samoans and, and Fijians as a way of diversifying a squad that gets you strong and not affected by origin. Like you um, say, that, Luai like is yeah. Samoan, so... Luai, like, yeah, kick out, Fisher-Harris. You, you, lose, you lose Cleary, no, right? yeah, and no, you I lose get it. Toa, yeah. and you lose oh, yeah. players like that. We really only lose Munster... Harry Grant's a benchy at the moment anyway. Pappy, and sometimes. And Pappy, Pappy was 18th man, Welsh, I think, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and one forward. Like, one forward is replaceable, you know, whereas, like, origin of four or five years Felice ago. Felice Cafusi as well. We had, uh, <laughs> I just forget care. about him. Um, <laughs> origin of a few years ago, we might have had seven or eight out. This year, you guys had seven or eight out, you know. It's a lot harder to replace no, those and players. Like- yeah, and, yeah, and you saw what happened when Cleary got injured, you know? Yeah, you, so... Your club played the price for New South Wales's, you know, crime, basically, which was he got injured in that game and then your club ended up paying the price for that. Yeah, I mean, we saw Origin pretty much derail South season last year with Cody Walker and then it kind of pendered through the victims of that this year. Exactly. Um, it happens all the time, you know? It and, does. and that's why I think players like Smith and, and Hughes... So 2019, so... I meant, sorry, not 2020. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Smith and Hughes are so, you know, strong, valuable to the Storm team and so strong in that sense because they don't, their seasons don't get broken up by origin like that. Yeah. So, like, yeah. like 100%, like, st- A, Penrith aren't the historically good team that the Storm are. So, like, they're used to dealing with origin and then looking elsewhere. It's like they build up that depth. So, it's first grade standard. That's like just how it's been for like 10 years. Like, Penrith were lucky to have one guy at origin. Uh, for like the last, you know, like Moylan might be the 14. And like, that was pretty much it. Or mm-hmm. PG would be the, like, they'd get the utility and he'd play like five minutes at the end of the game. Like that was Penrith's origin, like six, sweet. Um, but I look at two things, like or, or, origins like screwed up the team, like fatigue wise, but having to play, like, I don't think it's off to say that the team would have inherently in their minds been expecting a week off last week. Because like there was no reason for them not to, considering how the season went from a form perspective. Yeah. So they would have, they would have had that extra week on their legs, whereas like, you know, Storm was sitting back in wherever their resort is and just watching Penrith <laughs> get the absolute shit beaten out of them by Parramatta. Yeah. After getting the shit beaten out of them by Souths the week before, so they've had two weeks of getting pulped. Yeah. After like leading in with a, a game against Wenty in yeah. the finals. Well, um, exactly. But then also, I forgot my second point. So you go and I'll think of it. <laughs> Well, I mean, you're right, mate. Like Melbourne been kicking back for a fortnight. Well, you've gone to war twice, and yeah, they basically yeah. and like, got a free pass in the first week of the finals. Like they were taking the absolute piss by halftime in that game. So yeah, I remember the other it day. as well with like Penrith, right? Like they were again, they looked like a school footy team because they were so confident. They thought like you know, you know, there's always that team who's undefeated for five years, best in the comp. They played like that for two years, and then it was so weird to see them play the last two weeks where like they, nothing was working. And they just kept just trying terrible shit, like not the cool shit. They're like, let's force offloads and let's like run sideways. Oh, like, little like, I started throwing kid passes. It was gross. Yes. It's like, what are you doing? Like, but that's not what's working. So it's weird to see that. And then as you said, they got the, the piss belted out of them two weeks in a row. It's really hard to do that on the back of the long season, the back of the first time that whole squad has dealt with the origin thing. Yeah. And it's not their fault they've got blues uh, and they tried to avoid them. They have like 10 <laughs> Kiwis and whatever's, but the rest of all the blues. Well, they even, well, they picked the guys who didn't want to play, like they wanted to play yes. for the Nation. They picked them anyway. <laughs> they did. They picked them anyway. They're going to get most of the into blues camp. He's a Kiwi. <laughs> if this but has it's, ever it's, been the argument for having the second best player in every category, yeah. I, I don't it's know. It. It didn't help Parramatta. <laughs> but no, like, <laughs> but like, it's, it's the same curve. Like, some like the storm went through this learning curve when they were 
like a decade ago. They were really good when they were cheating. We know this, right? But they want to go over the cheating thing. There was a little while there when they didn't really win the comp for a number of years or whatever. But that's when you got to the learning curve of like, hey, how the fuck do you deal with this like origin thing and like this big high mis- mentally and physically, this the hardest football you'll play all year is the middle of the year. You go on this high, you won something. Some of the players check out. Like, how do you go from this to back down to playing it's hard. It f- must, the fucking Titans nothing or whatever? People don't deal with and that in any other sport. <laughs> they don't. How do I go from that? And then I get the boys back up. And Penrith haven't had to deal with that before. And it's just tough that no. it's, again, coming to time where they've won so many games that, like, they don't feel like a team that's still learning because they've been so fucking good for two years. But they are still learning some things. And that's um, one of the things that I, they'll learn this year. Yeah, and, like, obviously having, what was it, six or seven blokes Mm. For Origin is it's an outlier most years. Like teams don't really have that like lump sum of guys. But I mean, if you're going to be like, that good for year on year on year, that will keep yeah. happening. You know, like that. Oh that, yeah, no, no. That's, that number seven yeah. Blues jersey is Nathan Clary's pretty much for as long as he wants it now. Well, yeah. Lachlan Elias <laughs> is waiting. <but. laughs> sure. Okay. No, no, like that's fine. But like as a first year, like it's yeah, and it might happen again. Like maybe not seven, but yeah, it's going to happen in the future if they take like if they're this good again but it's like you look at i'm more looking at the guys they bring in so melbourne's depth is like 25 year old guys who have played like 100 games in q cup and like yeah know what the fuck they're doing penrith bring in like a 19 year old or however old he is isaac tago jermaine hopgood who's played like two first grade games taylor may who's played one like but matt you have Eisen- a like the of ghost excellence. of matt eisenhuth Sorry, mm-hmm. but you have a center of excellence. <laughs> well, yeah, so, like that, you know, point. but they're not—they're not excellent yet. They're too young <laughs> to be excellent. But they're, they're the center of pr- potential right now. They're the, it's the next crop of young Matt Moylan's. But no, what I was going to say, like, so their depth isn't as experienced. Like, and it's good to get them in there, but it's like mm. the drop off from Penrith's like best seventeen to their cup squad for those games is so much further than not even just Melbourne, but like you look at the Roosters as well. Like, it's the same kind of scenario. But then also what I was going to say earlier, there's almost like to me anyway, like kind of a little bit of sense of panic in the squad because they are losing so many, like so many of these depth guys next year. Like you got Burton, Naden and, you know, Penrith legend TPJ. They're all gone to Canterbury. <laughs> Capewell's going to Brisbane. Like that's for like guys that are starting, like Naden didn't start a lot, I know, but he probably should have. Like that's four out of your best like twenty players in a team that's maybe got twenty good players, mm. and for a team that relies on their like best seventeen so much, you know they've had a pretty good run of injuries. You know they've missed guys here and there, but like they've been you know reasonably fortunate that they haven't like suffered the key guys too much. To lose like that sort of depth, like in my humbly unbiased opinion, center of the year Matt Burton is gone. <laughs> like who, who comes in? Like I like. Isaac Tago, who's you know probably just finished like his year ten school certificate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. you 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 probably don't have the succession plan in place. Maybe because you guys, and I don't mean to sound like a dick. Maybe you didn't know you were going to be as successful in twenty twenty as you were. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. That's what, no. Like, no one would have seen that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, like, what? It's I'm- really hard to replicate that. It's and it's really hard to say. Hey, we're going to have a really good year next year and the year after. We're going to have a tilt to the title. Maybe we're never going to lose again. 
yeah, maybe we need... never going to be a rainy day. we have to, though? <laughs> maybe we Don't need to. to work on our reserves. Maybe we do need to change the way that we're playing our, our New South Wales Cup team, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. I mean, the New South Wales Cup thing probably wasn't their fault this year, to be fair. No. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> no, the, no the, cup team is, the cup team is still, like, pretty good. Well, like, Targo was fantastic oh. in the limited time I've seen him play over the last two years. Oh, Targo's, like, he's a gun. I, I kind of yeah. want him, because, like, Burton's obviously gone, Naden's gone. That's, like, the, t- the first two centers I would have picked to replace, yeah. But it, yeah, like, that look, spot. Like, anyway, I'm getting in there. We, we've gone out of this game for far too long. No, we haven't I, even uh, talked wait, about wait, the Storm yet. The storm, yeah. I was about <laughs> to say, we need to talk about the Melbourne Storm. Emma. Team with the podcast. Um, <laughs> I really am in your um, in your naughty books, aren't I? You well, keep just, calling me Emma. Well, because I'm the host and I will ask you to speak and then you speak. That's how this works. Because <laughs> I've never paid no. attention to that, Em. You just start talking. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why are the Storm so great, Benjamin? Oh, thanks for asking. I've had, I've actually prepared some notes. <laughs> um, salary? Ca- no, I got nothing. I mean, it yeah. was fifteen years ago. People, come on! But no, in mm-hmm. all seriousness, M. Like with Cam Smith leaving, like how? How, how could you you couldn't have foreseen a season like this, right? No, you guys had me on the preview pod, remember? And you said, "Are are mm. Melbourne going to win the comp this year?" And I said, "With respect to Cameron Smith." I don't think we can because I wanted to give the greatest player of all time the respect that he deserved, you know? I Harry Grant is still playing, man. He <laughs> <laughs> will earn his mantle. I, I genuinely didn't think that uh, we were going to be excellent, you know? Like, I knew we were going to be good because we're always good kind of thing. Um, you know, we, we seem to be able to replicate year on year success in a way that a lot of other clubs can't. And for whatever reason that may be, whether it's succession, whether it's the luck of playing in Queensland rather than New South Wales during a global pandemic, I don't know. But we seem to be able to have contingencies in place no matter what happens so that for some reason, even the greatest player of all time hanging up his boots doesn't affect us, you know, in the same way that a guy who should be an immortal as well, you know, the the guy who revolutionised playing fullback retires and we just find another fullback like we've joked about Melbourne yeah, I, I agree we did really well to replace Greg Inglis you're right <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say um, Reese Wesser is finally getting the respect he deserves I agree yeah. Ben Reese Wesser another South legend I really ought to be more specific with you lads um yeah. what, what I'm getting at is is that like we joked about Melbourne's fullback factory but it's really just Melbourne's succession plan factory you know like it doesn't matter whether it's hooker it doesn't matter whether it's prop it doesn't matter whether it's lock it doesn't matter whether it's bench utility we just seem to be able to keep pulling these kids out of I don't know where other clubs backyards when they're not paying attention and we create players like Nico Hines who filled in brilliantly all year and was much much better than I thought he was going to be who has somehow lost his spot and is back to being a utility, poor kid. Um, I just think that Melbourne do succession better than any other club, and that's why we're so good. Do, do you think, like, if Hines wasn't going to Cronulla next year, does he? would he have kept his spot, you reckon? Nah. No, I think Bellamy, Bellamy's really uh, the best player, gets the position kind of guy, and I know he's got his favourites. I know that... Um, Dal Finucane was one of his favourites for a really long time and still is one of his favourites um, and I know that Will Chambers for example was one of his favourites but he pushed Will Chambers aside when he had to you know when push came to shove and, and Will Chambers wasn't doing the job Will Chambers was paid to do anymore he got pushed to one side and I think that 
Pappenhausen just makes that team gel so much better. And Nico, Nico does it one way and it works, but I think it's a little bit predictable. Pappenhausen does it in a way where we are still attacking, we're still having our set plays, but we have this air of unpredictability about us as well mm. that I don't think a jogging Nico Hines can ever quite replicate. <laughs> Perhaps can flip the field. Pap, totally, totally, you yeah. know, like, and it's taken him a few weeks, right? Like he, it's taken him a really long time to come back from those string of head knocks that he got, you know, capitulated with the one at Magic Round where he got carried off in the stretcher. He has taken his time and I'm so glad that we invest those time, that time and those resources into those players because he was on fire two weeks ago. He looked amazing and he looked like he looked in the grand final last year and it's happening at the perfect time and everything's awesome and I love my club and happy <laughs> days, you know. I agree. I'm yeah. also happy. It's yeah, great. The, the, um, the one way I think Penrith can win this game is if, is if Cleary gets back to those ga- kicking games when he actually finds the corners and kicks with purpose and doesn't just put up bombs in the middle of the field. Like if he can turn Melbourne around a lot, and some games have happened this year when he's pulled out those ridiculous 70-odd metre ones and have got them on the front foot. I think they have the ability, if they do that, they cheat on tackle one and, and let resets go and then ask the Storm to kick their way back into a game. They can maybe get on top that way. But there's just too much across the park for mine for Melbourne to be pinned down like that. There's too many guys who can, you know, break break tackles or win one-on-one matchups down, down their end, you know. You're always waiting for someone like Pappenhausen to do something out of yardage. Uh, yeah. You've even got guys like they're not afraid of an early spread and using the edges. And like you've still got guys playing footy like Brandon Smith and Harry Grant are as well. It's like it's hard to shut all those guys down. Yeah, but, but there's the no Harry scrums Grant, this year. So yeah. the Harry Grant Smith thing is should be banned. Oh, it ban that. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane <laughs> how bad. it's insane how well that works together. You know, I um. Again, I'll, 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 you know, call myself out. I bagged Brandon Smith at the start of the season. I really yeah. did. I really did. <laughs> I thought he played awful. But he has turned it around. He really, really has. And I think it's taken us a few weeks. We had a game where we started Harry Grant. We put Brandon on the bench. It didn't quite work as well. I think Harry overplayed his hand a little bit. I think they've found the perfect combination where having, I think in particularly Welch, Finucane and Brandon Smith all on the field at the same time gives us a level of straight go forward through the middle that that combination seems to work really well so that when the opposition's forwards get a little bit tired, we bring on players like Harry Grant who just, I don't know, magically runs behind A defenders all the time and there's just like a world of space for him to go into. It's amazing. And I think that the combination of players, we've got the value of consistency that Penrith have probably not had this year. And we've had players playing in same positions and we can take advantage of all of that on game day. Yeah, I think that's totally fair. Um, I think it'll be closer than people give Penrith credit for, but I think it's one of those games that Melbourne just win comfortably. I'm going to say Melbourne win 20 to 10. Ben. <laughs> Two tries. How good. <clears throat> uh, what, what's what's the line? I'll, I'll just take a couple. Know. I'll take a couple. <laughs> okay. A couple of them. Uh, I'm going to go uh, 24-6. Yep. Emma? Storm, obviously. Uh, Sorry. I didn't know I had to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say huge one. I'm going to say Melbourne 13 plus. I'm going to say grand, like shades of last year's grand final, except we don't take the foot off the gas and get two players in bend in the last five uh, minutes. D- d- no pressure. Like, no, you know, you just take it easy. 
<laughs> I don't like that you're so defeatist. You got to at least have faith, mate. I mean, I'm I'm a real like I don't like this about my uh, like come Saturday I'm gonna be like throwing beer cans at the screen like don't worry. <laughs> okay, but, good. Like I'm gonna be upset like I would if it was like the grand final. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go to sleep that day, night. That's for sure. Yeah, I'm gonna go to sleep that night after the like ninety percent chance we lose. I'm gonna wake up the next morning and be like, right, it's Lions season. Let's lose more games. Oh, well, our teams play on Monday in that sport. Do you want to talk about that? <laughs> we, 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 I mean, would you want to just like dance on me again for that one? No, I want you to be happy. What else can he watch over the weekend um, to just capitulate like the losing? No, my soccer us. team's actually good, so that's fine. Yeah, Chelsea are pretty good, so you got them going for you. All right, well, both of you, thank you for coming on. Uh, we might see one of you next week. We won't see both of you. So we shall see. All right. You don't want to give the listeners too much M. They, well, that's then they better cheer for Penrith if they don't want more M because. Uh oh. Yeah. That's not. Yeah, congrats, happen. Ben. I just got you 100 new fans. Well, I mean, they, mm-hmm. Penrith would stuff to win the rugby league game. And I don't think we have any control over that. <laughs> I can legally go to the game. What? Oh, he can go oh, to Tasmania. Too. Are you, would you fly up if, if they made the grand final? Uh, nah, it's too expensive. What? Too right now. Are you... I didn't go to the... I was in the Sydney last year. I didn't go to the grand final. Oh, That's you... Nah, I got a whole new bone oh, to pick. Why you have you... We don't have time for this. You... I am so annoyed. We let right this now. man on our product. <laughs> I actually... Can we just delete the last 40 <laughs> minutes of conversation? <laughs> no, I right. didn't sound so fucking defeatist. He doesn't why didn't you go last... Why didn't you go last year? Uh, North Shore boy. This is too trains. trains. <laughs> we had to change it central. All right, M, say goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. Ben. Uh, look, actually, you know, Mitch and I have both been on your podcast. So just quickly talk about that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's called Beyond the Fence. It's no no specific agenda. It, it's just, yeah, shooting. Ironically, shit. beyond the fences wouldn't what we, is what you wouldn't do last year to go to a grand final. So, uh, and if you want any free design work quotes, graphic design quotes, yeah, just DM her <laughs> unprompted on Twitter. Just be like, yeah. "Hey," and then if you she asks you for money, get really angry about it and be like, "You should just be and grateful then, for the exposure." Please don't. Please don't. Please don't do any of those things unless you want to pay me enough money to buy a house in Sydney. Nope, you only get exposure. All right, bye guys. Thanks for coming on. Bye. Thanks for having us. You're not going to say the questions line, Bungard. And without any further ado, let's get into (laughs) the questions. Are you serious? (laughs) We're going to have any questions. Okay, question time uh, over on patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. Uh, if you want to get your question answered every week on the podcast. Anyway, first question, Doc Gowland. I'm sure this is one that everyone's waiting for the answer for, but he wants, yeah. wants to know the plans for the postseason. Is NFL Boom Rookies coming back? Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, should be. Um, yeah. There's, we haven't there's no really spoken about it. It just seemed implied. <laughs> What else are we going to do? Go outside? Uh, I don't think so. I think we'll probably have a week or two off after the grand final. Yeah. Probably. We haven't stopped. Uh, We haven't had a week off since, I want to say, the end of 2019. Yeah. We've recorded every week. week uh, We've recorded at least one show a week for nearly two straight years now. So. Yeah. And uh, we'll probably... We had some other episode plans this year. Probably doing the offseason. We haven't really spoken about them again yet, but I definitely got, want to do that. We've got a few that, um, ideas fomenting around. 
Yeah, that idea we, we want to do with our great friend Nick Campton about the best 20s team. Yeah, that's team. that'll be fun. And uh, we've had a, there's one I haven't brought up with Bungard since, but we did have someone suggest to us like last year to do a bit of a fantasy draft of like four teams. I don't mind that. And you know what? That's fun. If we can pick the best uh, four teams. I was thinking about it in the shower yesterday, Bunga. <laughs> I, here's my caveat for that. Mm-hmm. Because you know how everyone, like, you know, obviously I'm the villain of the piece. And yes. every, and like, you know, you've got your little fanboys that simp for everything you do. So we have to put the vote out before we put the podcast out without our names on the teams. So that but way I when I pick the anyway, best though. team and I win fairly, I can't have that taken away well, from me by simps for you and, and Campo and probably Harry, I would guess would be the fourth. I, I feel like having uh, Alex Johnson well, look, captain. Obviously, <laughs> my plan is to not take Alex Johnston so that automatically people assume that the team with Alex Johnston is not mine. Sorry, so, is mine, uh, sorry. We're doing ideation on the podcast. Well, I had the idea, right? So we're doing expansion yeah. teams, yeah? But yes. I was like, we can't have free-for-all over the NRL because it doesn't work like that. No. So I was thinking, because originally the idea was free-for-all, I was thinking, do we do a thing where like we rule out like five players like from each how team? how ice hockey does it. They nominate, yeah. each franchise nominated like a bunch of players when the Las Vegas Golden Knights came in. And then yeah. those players weren't allowed to be hooted up. And uh, we're not going to do as many as hockey would have done, but maybe we, we all, like there's four of us who would probably do it. Four teams each, you pick five players that if you were at those teams, they're not up for discussion. Yeah. So, so you know, we can't have a team that ends up with like Nathan Cleary and, and you know, Damian Cook and Tom Tavoyevich, Because they would never be available. They would be. Off the top of my, like, and like, and we can obviously, after we each do four, we can vet them with each other. Because like, off the top of my head, the five South players would be Trell, Cody Walker, Cameron Murray, uh, Jai Arrow, and... Well, Adam Reynolds is gone. So yeah. the fifth one's kind of up in the air for South a little bit, isn't it? It'd probably be Keon, maybe Tom Burgess. I don't know. It's a tough one, actually, that fifth player. But yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Well, for Brisbane, we'll keep Payne Haas and we can just yeah. let's see what happens. <laughs> and the rest, yeah, you, don't have to, you don't have to nominate five. You can just keep <laughs> Payne Haas. We'll keep Payne Haas and Adam Reynolds and we'll throw the West yeah. back. Like, you know what? You guys, free for all. Sure, yours yours? Would be, yeah. Who would yours be? They'd be what? Haas, uh, Haas, Reynolds, Hubert Farnsworth. It's contain contain stags um, and maybe Hetherington. No, they'd probably say Kurt Capewell. Oh yeah, true. I forgot you signed oh, him. Yeah, yeah. Fair, I'm fair wondering point. if Farmworth would make it or not. He probably would, but it's like would Farmworth drop out for one of the younger young forwards they rate like um like Pierre Cor or some of their big raps on? But I'd probably right now I'd say that'd be the five. Yeah, but yeah. So I think that's a cool. I reckon right, that's I like a cool that. exercise for the off season to do like over a month. You know? And yeah, that's a good idea. We can do the. The not the retraction draft or whatever first, you know, these are the players you can't have and do the expansion draft and see what teams could come out with it. Because it'd be if there's only four of us picking, if we have free for all, it's just four origin teams, you know, it's like a Queens and A and B, Blues A and B or whatever. So that's not as yeah. enthralling. It's like, oh no, we only have the fourth best halfback. It's yeah. like we might be left with no halfbacks. It'll be a nice, it's a nice idea and it'll be genuinely up for discussion. I did see it. Like I thought the concept was actually good. The NRL did one of those, like, you know, those things you see like the row of $5 players and the row of $4 players and yeah. all that shit. And sometimes they're terrible. The one today was quite funny because it was the spine of each of the four remaining teams, but you had to pick one from each team. And it yeah. was like, it was so funny how universal the answer was. Like, I don't know if you saw the discussion in our Discord, but like 12 people all answered me and they all had the exact same answer, which was also my answer. So, so is it okay, one from Tommy each team. at fullback? Correct. Yeah, Cleary at seven. 
Yes. Uh, Munster at six. No. Cook at nine. No. Or are we going? Okay. Well, Harry Grant at nine. I think that's and fine Walker too. At six. That's that, that was the yeah. answer. But I think Munster. I think interchanging well, Munster and me. Cook. I would pick Harry. I would pick the Harry Grant one. But I just didn't know. He wasn't on the. He wasn't on the thing. He wasn't on the graphic. Brandon Smith. Anyway, but yeah. still, it's it's a pretty easy one that from penalty locking Cleary. Yeah. <laughs> Manly locking Tommy. Tommy, and then the other two is. Yeah, no. I guess Munster Lock- and Walker are both fantastic. So Lachlan Croker's time is coming. Okay, <laughs> it must anyway. be. Like you look at every other player on that list. Like you've got some of the legends of the game, like Tavoyevich, Taft. Yeah, exactly um, right. <laughs> or mate, does anyway. he make the five? Oh, wait, after the grand final, does well, he make mate, the when five he is a premiership, <laughs> premiership winning fullbacks are hard to come by, and he will be a premiership winning fullback in what was it, Wednesday today, Thursday, Friday, uh, eleven days time. So that's pretty cool. There you go. Okay, yeah. uh, next question: Cam Beswick. Is it about Blake Ryan James to the Broncos? <laughs> price and thoughts. Um, I, I think, don't know what the price is. No, we never knew this. Know this stuff with NRL players, do we? Um, it's kind of a weird one, right? Because on one hand, it's like, what's going on? Like, why was he not good enough to get into the rotation at Canberra to the point where they shipped him out to the Bulldogs? But on the other hand, I still feel like he just kind of takes that position from Bullymore, maybe, and just does okay, and it's all right if it's not on much money. And he's also the kind of guy who. We've seen, um, I guess, isn't that fussed about whether he's starting or whether he's on the bench or whether he's even in first grade. So it's, I think it's a good depth signing and a guy that, from what we know, is still a capable first grade player. Yeah, and I think you've kind of hammered it there for me, but um, the Broncos were, they're, they're hooked on the idea, the administration there, on the idea of bringing in an experienced forward to pair with Payne Haas, to take some load off Payne Haas. And out of the ones they had named, like they were, they were talking, it looked like Woods, Maguire, um, Napa, who's the other one? The other spot I didn't want. Anyway, it was like, and then Ryan James. It's like, well, I want none of those other players. And I actually don't mind Ryan James. I don't know the dollars and cents, but I'm assuming it's it's not much. It wasn't, it was only 300 k to go to the Raiders. He wouldn't have got a pay rise. Might be 200 k Um, But two years, I think you, you people think it's a little long, but he's still 30, whatever. I'm fine with the two years as well. But out of those, it's, it's a good spot. But the main thing you said there, Bungard, is... Lots of times when clubs sign players for their intangibles, when they sign an old experience forward, like they go and sign a James Tarmow for 600K. And then when James Tarmow doesn't perform, they're like, well, where's the James Tarmow? Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Or there's the other side of that coin. You can sign people for intangibles they don't have. Like looking for a leader and you go sign Dylan Napa. It's like, no, just because he's old doesn't mean he's a good mentor. You know, it's like, so I think Ryan James kind of was the least of those evils in, in that regard. And, and, and but I think James will accept a role where he's, if he's off the bench or if he's not playing, that's perfectly fine. But they do need somebody who comes off that bench, for, in my opinion, anyway. And you don't need to be the world's best ball carrier or anything. And he's not still a bad ball carrier. He needs someone who tightens the middle after guys like Haas and Kobe go off. And also someone who can kind of calm the forwards down. They go to shit when Payne Haas goes off. And I think. Ryan James always had really good ruck control. I think it's a good signing in that regard. And not making Canberra's team, I mean, it's, it wouldn't be the first player who's left, left Canberra after not making the side and being a good addition elsewhere. They have, or have a lot of forwards, but it was like that. Was it the Penrith game that he had? Like he had, he started and he had a few good games to them. I think it was it. Oh, I can't remember what game it is. He had a real stinker at one point, and then that was just it from there. Ricky was done with him. But he looked all right when he played for the Dogs the last two games. I know it's only two games, but he looked like he was still in decent shape. So I actually quite like the signing. And 
You know, they've made other useless signings off season I don't like. He's one of the ones I do like. And just because people think, oh, he's a bit old and what's the point? It's like, they were going to sign a leader. They were going to. Out of all the ones we could have got, I'll take it. And again, yeah, I agree. We didn't, we didn't sign, like, I liked Al Finucan. It was the wrong fit for Brisbane to pay him 650. You know, if you're looking for a forward leader, we'll get someone like 200 and then give the rest of the money to Payne Haas. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Our good friend Sam Stevens always brings the heat. So he's given us about 47 uh, Dallium questions. And we're recording while the Dallium's... Uh, we don't know the Dallium's results, sorry. Isn't it next but, week? Uh, it's next week. Yeah. So we still don't know this year's one. But his questions... Uh, we'll go. He got a whole list of uh, questions. He said, firstly, who's the most surprising winner of the Dallium? Surprising. Um, yes. I mean, hmm. oh, this was easy for mine. Well, I, I don't think that was... That wasn't surprising, though. We know exactly why it happened. Like, yeah, we could see still. it unfolding in real time. It's the most undeserved. Whether it's the most yeah. surprising... Oh, no, I'm lying here. The most surprising... I have two. Yeah. Help me split Matt Orford and Todd Carney. I think that's also... Like, it's that's that's the thing with the word surprising, right? Because, like, if you'd said at the start of the 2010 season that Todd Carney was going to win the Dallium, people would have asked if you were okay. But by yeah. the end of the season, no one would have disagreed with it. So in that regard, like, Orford, Barber, and Cronk are all great answers. Uh, Cronk, sorry. Orford, Barber, and um, Carney are all great answers for this. Um, the one I actually am probably we might be going back a little bit too far for some listeners, but the one that most surprises me is mm. Danny Badiris in 2004, because I mean, that was probably the first year I watched like a shitload of rugby league. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and it was just, it was just weird to see a guy who, I mean, for the most part of his career, wasn't even like the most heralded player on his team. And I know Andrew Johns missed some games this year, but he still played like a couple but the thing with that Newcastle team is they weren't very good. Like they didn't make the finals. I think they they came like tenth or eleventh yeah. or something. And he was, you know, the hooker in a team that won ten games, and they and he got the Dalian. So that would yeah, be my answer to the great. most surprising. I did it. I think you did do it. That's not yeah. bad. Um, yeah, I, I think like Orford shocked me at the time. I liked Matt Orford, and then Todd Carney, as you said, just the the I was a Todd Carney guy. Like I was a moron. I still am a moron, but a bit more of a moron a decade ago, and I was a Todd Carney guy, so I believed yeah. in him. But like, it was still a shock that he went to Dallium. For at, any like, younger listeners, it would almost be like if Anthony Milford won the Dallium next year for South. Like that would probably be the only real life like, rel- it's relative it's be, comparison right now. I don't know. Even then, they've got to like, spend like a year out of the game. Mm. Well, he kind of did this year. Yeah, fair. Okay. Um, next one he's asked: least surprising winner. Who was the person you'd known had won it the most? You know, I mean, uh, I feel like mine, mine again, we've been talking about these seasons forever. Ben Barber 2012, he'd won it by like round 12. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, whatever. Yeah. You know, we do, we do it. And then again, like, um, I mean, when I was a little kid, Andrew Johns was winning it three times in five years. It was like, yeah, that's that makes yeah. sense. But yeah, I know, I know he didn't finish. There's probably someone who's finished further ahead of the pack um, than when I think Barber won it. But Barber was like, what was he? I think he finished the season like six points ahead, which is yeah. a lot in the Dally M's. When did Brooks come second or third? Because that year, like he was like 11 points behind whoever won, but I cannot remember what year like, it was. So it? like even 2009, Jared Hayne was only a three-point winner, for example. Yeah. And, and that was above Thurston as well. But uh, Ben Barber's t- 32 points. 
There might be a higher. Oh, I've done season. it. I've done, I, I, I said Brooks. I meant Aaron Woods. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Thurston won it by 11 points in 2015. There you go. How many points did he score? 32. I just yeah, I think. Has um, anyone ever scored more than 32? I know a lot of guys have scored 32. Oh, uh, Kansas got 33 in 2017. That was also go. a pretty obvious one. When did Brooks come second? I can't find it. I don't know. He was up there somewhere. Was it second? He's third. Third in 20, 2018. Uh, 2018. I didn't go that far forward. But Yeah. Uh, um, but I met Aaron Woods. Anyway, oh my matter. god, that lists it. Twenty eighteen. You had Isaac Luke in the oh, top ten. The Cam entire Munster. like that entire article I wrote. Um, what year was it? The last year about why the Dalium sucks. Like most of the list, most of my grievances, I just cited twenty eighteen and was like, look at this. Look how this happened. Yeah. Like, why was this entire system not overhauled when this happened? But yeah. Uh, yeah. And and Whiten's twenty six. I mean, there was less games. But that's a pretty high score. I mean, actually, they only cut out cut a few games out though. Do you remember twenty eighteen being like twenty six? Probably the lowest winner. I don't know yeah. if he was the best player, but twenty eighteen was Damian Cook's massive breakout season. That was the yeah. year where he started getting hype as the best hooker, the Cameron Smith successor, South's best player, all that stuff. Right? You remember how good Damian Cook was that year? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Equal, equal, equal eighth with Ash Taylor and Isaac Luke on that uh, Dalian leaderboard that year. Yeah, I, I mean, no, I've said it before great. on here. We've always hated the Dalian process. Um, I've said it before on here that like the best year, the Broncos were the best when they're the worst. That's just it. They've, they've, the closer they've got to winning since Alfie won it is like the years we've missed the eight or come eight. Yeah, it's like just, just, it's just I mean, and again, I did I did do a big story on this last year. It's like, what was it this year? Take down. It's, it was. and, and um, But like, it's just easy to get points in a shit team. It just is, if you're yeah. a good player. Or an out of Sydney team. That was how the correlation. That was the other thing. Yeah. Uh, Least deserving winner. So least deserving winner. Well, that one is obviously Jack Jack White. Give me a break. Most deserving winner. That's a hard one to say. Two months of Shaq 2018 runs in close, though, I will say. Least deserving? Yes. I I got a lot of heat for that at the time when I said that. People people were angry at me. I agree, though. Um, you agree with them or with me? He had with uh, with you. It's the he had in the Warriors, he had, I'll call it the Jonathan Thurston corollary. Yeah, people never watch the Cowboys, and so if they watch the Cowboys, oh, I had three points to Thurston, two points to Thurston. Like yeah. Thurston was a, a fantastic player, but he won four Dally M's, and some of those years was not his best football. Yeah, you I know? mean, like I, I again, I dissected all this before. There were years where like the Cowboys stunk, and he got like twenty five Dally M points. It's just so stupid. Yeah, that's um, it. um, the most deserving is like there's like six, like there's multiple answers here where the best player won it. Like there's heaps. Like. Yeah. Who did? Yeah, who who deserved it the most is hard to answer that question. Teddy, like, like Teddy, twenty nineteen was an obvious winner. Barber, as you said, Carney, as you said, um, Cansmith twenty seventeen was very well, obvious. Yeah, and again, he should have won a couple more in his career, obviously. But um, yeah, yeah, there's not really like I think those two that we mentioned, twenty eighteen and twenty twenty, are the ones that jump out as being like egregiously bad. But I mean, I can't really go back behind beyond like Andrew Johns to the pre yeah, but the Super, same. to the pre NRL era because I don't. I really can't know. give you my take on Gary Freeman's and Michael Potter's. Well, I'm out. I'm, I I well, the only thing I like I don't. The only thing I know is that Robert Laurie was the only is the only Souths player to ever win the Dalian. Um, well, yeah. and obviously we're not Sam Burgess off the field men anymore. But, uh, but 2014, oh one of That's, the great robberies. That, if you want to doubt the the biggest robbery, it's Sam Burgess 2014. I mean, and again, bet. Broncos stuck to 2014, right? Ben Hunt, 28 points. Yeah. There was, as I've harped on about this so many times this podcast. <laughs> there, was, there was a game, Mitchell. There was a game yes. where we played Parramatta 
and we won by 20 points. And Sam Burgess had 200 meters and scored two tries. And he got no Dally M points, and Jared Hayne got two. Yes. Fantastic. Why Dally M sucks. Like, and, that, and it's not like that. That's not an, an outlying example. That is an example that happens almost every year. Jack Whiten got points last year in that game where people were laughing at him on the internet when he kept fucking up. He got Dally M points because, well, he, they knew he needed Dally M points. So, so bad. You know, so, so bad. <laughs> Okay, uh, what other ones you got there? Okay, best player to never win one. Well, Greg to Eagles. me, it's, it, it's well, to me, it's Darren Lockyer, but well, I think, I think the triumvirate is like Inglis, Lockyer, Slate, uh, Fittler, right? Yeah, for sure. I think that's the three guys over the last what the time we've watched rugby league anyway. They're the yeah. three that would be that those three guys would make pretty much anyone's top 10 players of all time or of the. I guess Lockyer Fittler kind of almost missed the NRL era, but of our lifetimes anyway, it's those three, three guys would make anyone's top 10 players list, I would think. Yeah, I'm sorry. Lockyer played 13 years in the NRL era, mate. Yeah, I know, but he missed, he missed the start, is what I'm saying. But Yeah, like, um, but yeah, as you said, they wouldn't make those sides. And it's funny because GI was almost in the environment to get one when South yeah. were turning good. Like, not, like when they were good, he had the Burgess boys enough. When they were turning good. Yeah, like, like 2012. Oh, sorry, 2011. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he got Greg like, Inglis, fuck all votes. <laughs> Greg Inglis never finished. Again, I also read about this. Greg Inglis never finished in the top 10. Ever. Ever. If that's not an indictment on your system. And I've said that. And like people that we know who we respect the opinions of have like been like, oh, yeah, but that makes sense because he has some quiet games. No, it doesn't. In what, in what universe does it make sense that Greg Inglis would not be in the top 10 players in pretty much any season that he played it? Yes, when yeah, exactly <laughs> yeah. right. Like, uh, and even if he took games off right, the Dalian rewards the guys who take games off. The system voting rewards those people. You cannot have like you can do nothing with six games and doesn't really matter. I think in you know? twenty so, again in twenty fourteen when Hayne won it, hmm. Parramatta won. I think ten games. They he got he almost averaged three points for every Parramatta win. Like yeah. Parramatta finished tenth, they won twelve games, and he got like thirty something, like thirty three points or something ridiculous. Like, yeah. Anyway, uh, and then he says, uh, "Worst player ever to win one." So the worst player in general. Um, oh, t- it's just us just to make fun of Jack White in like in six yeah. different ways. Like, is outside of White and is it Matt Orford? Yeah. There's like, no, like again, bad I, players I, I, don't win the Dalian, but yeah, it probably yeah. It has to be right. I can't like I can't comment on like Gavin Miller and Mick Potter. I just no, I, I neither can I. But I I would say probably Matt Orford then, and I actually like Matt Orford as a player, but he was never really could seen not, as one of the best three or four halfbacks in the. Could you not argue that Matt Orford had a better NRL career than Preston Campbell though? You could probably argue that, but I think Preston Campbell was a better. I love footballer. Preston Campbell, but like I mean, I'm just talking about like their careers. I, I feel like like. Uh, Preston Campbell had a, like a couple of really special years at all. That's true. Not. That's like, fair. I feel like I know. I know. I know what you're getting at with that. But I feel like the the Titans resurgence Campbell, the the Sharks Campbell, and a bit of the, the Panthers Campbell special player. Which team do you think Preston Campbell played the most games for? Oh, I know this one. So it's it's the Titans because it's that that is mildly surprising, right? It's one of those ones. It's like how when I tell people Royce Atasi played more games for South than he did the Bulldogs. Isn't that weird? Yeah, well, a lot of people associate Preston Campbell as a, a Cronulla Shark. Yeah, and he played like 50 games for them. <laughs> yeah, just obviously he had the, the Dally M winning year there. Uh, and then he has two more questions. Okay, we kind of answered this one. Players who are robbed. Yeah. And players who you predict will win one in the next 10 years. Um, I mean... Nathan Cleary. 
Yeah, he'll definitely win one. Um, Kalen Ponga if, if he stays fit enough. If they have like, one year where the Knights finish like fifth and he plays the whole season, he'll win one. He would have had one by now if he's already fit enough, mate, because he's again, he's just the well, vote getter. In wasn't there phase. a year? He, was it last year or the year before? He was in like the top 10 and he played like. Yeah. He's up I'm going to go find it, but um, try and rattle off a couple more. But uh, So he finished. He finished. Yeah, last uh, year. 16 he points last 16 year. 16 points last year. And how many games did he play? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, he played days. 19 games last year. Oh, he played most of the games last year, so we're wrong well, there. there you no, go. if he plays three more and gets no, three but, points in each of them, Mitchell, he's well, a winner. There's only 20 rounds last year. Don't. Oh, yeah. Oh, never mind. Yeah. Um, Payne Haas had 27 points last year. That's a bit ridiculous. That's again, because the Broncos are terrible, he's the only I think it's hard. going to be harder for him to win points if he you're won't good. So. He, yeah. He won't win one. Not, Reynolds is there next year as well. Uh, Blake Tarfel, so we'll win one. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay. Um, good question, Sam. Uh, next question, we're going down to our friend Carlo Taishen. He said, this will sound bitter. It's not. But well, statistics this year and last year, and however long the PVL rules are in place, be considered asterisk seasons, statistical records away, the fl- floating super suit records were in swimming. The previous individual tries his records of a season is 39. He's wrong. He's got his records from Fox Sports. Even then, the team, he's missing Tim Smith's record. But anyway, essentially, this year has a bazillion records. We know this one. Yeah. Uh, he said, at least where like Benji recorded 37 try assists in two seasons, you felt there was a his records were in a similar playing field to that of the players beforehand. Thoughts? Yeah, I think he's right. Um, the super suit comparison is one I definitely agree with. It's kind of like, yeah, this happened. No one cheated, but also a bit piss-takey. And yeah, look... The fact that we were just desensitized to the gaudy numbers that were put up should just tell everyone all they need to know. Like when I saw that Cody Walker had 40, how many line break or try assists was it? Like a lot. I was just like, yeah, yeah, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So the Cody Walker, so he has 33 try assists, 44 line break assists and Alex Johnson has 36 line breaks. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, that's pretty good. Like if you said, if that, if that number was in like, Five, ten years ago, you'd be like, holy fuck. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like all records. Everything's a record this year, pretty much. Everything is. And yeah, obviously, I mean, we've discussed this a few times. Obviously, they matter less. If all the records get broken in one year, even if the rules weren't broken, there's something wrong with that season. If you know? everything's special, then nothing is special. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if we'll get fully asterisks in the future because, or like, with the coverage of it generally by the pop, like the media and similar, is trying to wash out. <laughs> the sure. elements that have contributed to it. But I mean, yeah, Ruben Garris got what 322 points. I don't know if he can get Hazem's points by the end of a final series. How many more points does he need? He needs like what 26, doesn't he? Well, he's not going to score 26 points in one yeah, game. So exactly. there you go. <laughs> maybe, maybe he scores every point they score. Maybe if we win 28, 26 and Ruben gets the record, that's perfectly fine with me. Yeah, what do you have? Three, four. Sorry, he needs twenty-one points. Well, there you go. We can win uh, thirty to twenty-two, and Ruben can get all the points. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. But yeah, well, they obviously matter less. And Carlo followed up with, "If you're out of the loop lately, if this general topic is being addressed, happy to question be bypassed." Oops. <laughs> <laughs> nah, I mean, uh, it's, I think it's it's always a good opportunity for us to articulate our thoughts on this stuff because, yeah, it's just it is what it is. Um, but I think, yeah. I think most people have kind of come around to our way of thinking on this as well. Like, I don't think that it's well, yeah, particularly 
it was so funny man, again that after like four or five rounds of people who were still like doing that dumb shit it's like there's almost none of that it's roster management it's this it's that garbage anymore people just accepted it and I don't know people's refusal to just accept like again it's not even as I said at the time it's not data it's not fancy data it's the fucking scoreline like we fucked the scorelines we didn't fuck any like any niche data we fucked the scoreline of the game that's bad and yeah people have come around and I think Whereas, we know, fans of teams were winning well side of the year were behind it. But I think once you go through a full season of blowouts, you start realizing how shit it is. After like four or five rounds of blowouts, whatever, that happens. Yeah. But we just knew it was coming and it did stay that way. But it's, and, yeah. yeah. I love watching the storm, but it's just tiresome just watching them just sleepwalk through teams for the entire yeah. season. We had some better footy the last few weeks. We've even seen like it's got to the point now that the RLPA are like putting their foot down about being involved in rule changes. And that's only because they've gone so poorly. Like, like people are wondering why aren't they stakeholders in the past or similar. Well, they weren't needed to be stakeholders because they didn't, we didn't just change a hundred rules and then they keep tweaking them. It just got so bad that the players have had the, have the shits. And usually there'll be rule change they don't like, but it's never going to you know lead to a, a, almost a revolt that it has right now. But hmm. I think we'll see some change in this off season, and we've already seen it already. There'll be a bit of sneaky you know whitewashing of the six again and, and the implications. Oh, it's hundred percent coming. Of it. And I did like uh, Peter Sterling called it out after that Penrith Parramatta game. He made note of that leg pull that we made note of, but specifically yeah. as like a, just a ridiculous incident that shouldn't be happening. So yeah, yeah. Uh, so next question, Luke Sturkenboom says, "Can you recall any classic both teams deserve to win games?" No, for me. What do you mean? Like he's I don't know two games where both teams should have or deserve to win. Like for me, I think there's like games where both teams deserve not to lose. You know, it's a very game where both teams deserve to win. If you get, yeah. like, you feel like you were hard done by, or like, you know, your team played really well, played well for like eighty minutes, lost and golden point. But I, I'm so bred into that dumb mentality, like following competition and sports from a kid that I can't get my head around both teams deserving to win. Um, you know? I'm sure there's some examples of it, but like um, the, the the game you, you wrote about last week, the four 0 Oh game. yeah, I mean that is, but maybe Manly should have scored a point. Yes. And actually, that is kind of on them because they had multiple penalties yeah. in penalty goal kicking distance and they could have just been like, well, yeah. the way so this like, game's going, it's attritional. So get the points. they deserve to win? No. It was it was unfortunate they lost in the Wallet Classic, but they didn't deserve to win the game. Mm-mm. So I don't know. Um, I don't know those, those games really exist. I mean, there is occasions where a team will get ripped off, but I don't think that's really what you're asking. Maybe the Cowboys in the 2014 finals against Roosters. Well, but not yeah. the not the not the knock on. That was a clear. That was the right call. The yeah. penalty that Sonny Bill got the minute before. Yeah. But then again, don't score. Don't concede thirty in the first half, and then you don't have to worry. Yeah. about Yeah, I was at that game. Minicello's um, Dean Rob, friend of the show from famous segment. We was robbed. Mm. <laughs> Did share it in the other day when Mini threw that pass. I was like right in that corner. They were they were you know they they were still like ten or twelve up, and he just throws a pass along the ground on his goal line. Yeah. Okay. Why not? <laughs> Why not? Uh, next question. Not so mature age student. George Jennings is soon to become a premiership winning winger. How much mm. do, do the Broncos sign him for next year to create a premiership winning well, edge with Brenko? His name's Robert Jennings and he left yes. South two years ago. So I don't know how he's going to win a premiership, but um, yeah, yes. not a great question. <laughs> We've had better. Yeah. Uh, Alex Shergicomi. Despite going out at the same stage last year, you consider Para as more legit contender oh. next year. Now they've proven they can go toe to toe with the best teams in tough games. They don't just need a flat to be competitive. I may be uh, biased, but I left Saturday with a more feeling of strong, strong belief, which I didn't have after last year's exit. 
Uh, all I heard was going out at the same stage as last year, and I whited out. So, um, <laughs> um, nah, it's a good question, and I think it is. It is. I think I said this on Monday that like you should come out of this feeling better than had they just rocked up and got pumped. Like it does make a difference how you lose games because someone has to lose every football game that's played. That's just how it works. And I think Parramatta over the last month or so, given that everyone was writing them off, gave a pretty good account of themselves. They beat Melbourne. They very well could have beaten Penrith. They played well to beat the Knights. Um, Yeah, I think that it's very much made people put the pitchforks down, but there's still a lot of work for them to do next year. The things that have changed is like, like Hayes, Dunstone, Will Penn, they seem like they add a lot to that side. I agree. So, uh, I mean, Blake Ferguson's gone, and he he had been good in the run home, but I still don't know if um I can. I'll consider them as legitimate contenders if you get me. I still it's think just, they're one. I just think they're a player away still, but I do think that yeah. their defensive application on the weekend and their attitude was fantastic. And we've seen with the Tigers this year that like, that is so much more important than it is, like personnel and all that stuff. So. Well, the yeah. NRL used to be the competition that every year, like three teams would go in and out of the eight. The top four, like, you know, a lot of it would change, but we've had the last like three or four years, this top six sides have been like seven yeah. teams. Isn't it funny um, that like, it used to have, like, I know the main upset that used to happen when we had the McIntyre system was 2v7. Like seven used to knock two off quite a bit in the finals from memory. Yeah. It's like, can you imagine in the last three or four years, seventh beating second? Like, no. like what would that have been this year? The Knights beating the, the Panthers? Like, or last year, that would have been, yeah, like the Knights beating the Storm. It's like crazy town. Like that wouldn't happen. Yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, I, I, well, we need the offseason, mate. We need to see what happens and yeah. how we feel coming into next year. I know you want to talk about next season for your team, but I'm not fully ready to give my thoughts on the 2022 Parramatta Eels yet. But I, I would say, I think they should feel, I think they should feel po- more positive than last year it's their most positive finish to a season i've had in a couple of years because last year was a bit weird like they got off to that lead against south in the second half they just kind of gave up and a couple of the tries scored south scored at the end of that game were pretty embarrassing and this yeah. year they didn't have that they just like they lost and not only did they lose they had they lost like a really tough game that and a game that was close enough that we have had a week now of analyzing moments in that game that may or may not have swung the result so yeah. Uh, did we talk about the trainer getting fined, or did that happen after we recorded? No, it, it, it happened after. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I would pay twenty five grand in a heartbeat to stop, like, call a timeout in that moment for my team. I mean, Give half me again. I, I I had that discussion with Simon on Twitter. Like, that like one hundred percent, half the players would have put their hand up if they could. If they, if someone came out in the field and offered them, hey, twenty five k to pause the game now, they'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> like I'll pay it. But yeah, it comes out of um the league club with like a bazillion dollars in surplus. So yeah. <laughs> That'll really I'm, sure I'm sure they'll live. That trainer will get a nice little handshake from Ivan Cleary. Not like a financial one. I mean like an actual handshake. Uh, Cam Beswick says, when did you guys realize people like hearing you talk footy and how did the podcast start? Um, yeah, look, we just um, wanted to do one on Twitter. I think it's uh, really... Is there much more to it than that? I mean, it's kind of I like... mean, so it happened between me, you and Dale, which yeah. is a random... It was a random assortment like... You know, let's well, we weren't really great friends before the podcast started. We knew each other. We'd met a few did. times. We'd like We'd used met, to we'd... attend Sydney FC games. Sydney FC game. And it really it was like I wanted to do a podcast, you wanted to do a podcast, and Dale was having a podcast just conclude. He had podcasting experience. Yeah. And it was like I'm so glad we I wanted to do footy. You wanted to do footy. Dale was a bit more Sydney FC leaning, but I'm so glad we didn't choose Sydney FC. There's no way we well. I mean, would have lasted or would have had to listen. No disrespect to the A-League, but there's no market for it, really. But 
but it, it's it wasn't really even about like when do you realize people like hearing you talk about footy? Well, obviously, to do a podcast, you have to have some form of ego, obviously. Yeah. And I wouldn't say I ever once realized people like to hear me talk footy. You know, I never had that click. People like to hear me talk footy. But I have always thought I'd known quite a bit, been a really passionate fan, was into media myself. And, you know, into media myself and just wanted to do this kind of thing and just see what happened. And it was into podcasting already. And yeah, I guess people like hearing the product. What about yourself, Bungard? Uh, I think a lot of it came down to like at that point, what, 2015 was it? Like I already listened. I absorbed so many podcasts every week and like one I loved and I haven't listened to it for the last couple of years for other reasons, but uh, was the Football Ramble. Like, that was my, my favorite podcast every week. And it was just yeah. a couple of fellas, no no agendas, no bullshit, just cracking jokes and talking. They kind of struck that right line between like humor and actual like analysis of, of yeah. soccer. And that was something that I just thought didn't exist in rugby league. If you get me, like I felt like it was either, you know, sort of dry analytical stuff. And even that is just like so hard to find anywhere. Or it was just like, you know, schlocky over the top, like dumb shit humor, which is, you know, still the main main course on most rugby league um like entertainment programs but i didn't really think there was anything that kind of caught that happy medium of being able to talk about the game and also being able to laugh as well um and so yeah then we had the chance to do it um it just seemed like something worth doing and then you know there were definitely times where we thought about packing it in just after like just from fatigue i guess more than anything else and that's when yeah and that's when it sort of that's when we sort of put the feelers out for Patreon and all that stuff. And if yeah, it, we I don't think we'd still be, I don't think we'd be doing this anymore without the patrons. Like, obviously, I love all the yeah. listeners, but I think we probably would have stopped doing this maybe two years ago if it weren't for the fact that we were making a bit of money off it now. Correct, and I, I you know I enjoy it more now that I ever have. I don't know why the last couple of years. I think it's also easy that it's like we do it over Zoom now, and it doesn't take that extra two or three hours out of eight, all of our days. Yeah, catching up all the time, and we would do. Once all this is over, actually have some catch up pods, but uh, well, like the one we were going to yeah. do with Camper will be in person at the studio once yeah. we can. And but like, yeah, yeah it's much easier, and it's just, it's made it easy to do bonus podcasts. Like after the game on Friday, we just sat like I was just like when South one, I was like, let's just do twenty yeah. minutes, and you're like, yeah, sick, let's do it. And like, we've done things like that throughout the year, and um, yeah, and I look, I know it's weird, but like it just feels more bona fide because we're getting paid to do it. Yeah, it's like, um, and it, uh, yeah, yeah. There you go. And I get the final thing for me as well is like, again, I, I'm, I always, I've always talked too much for everyone. So, and let's be honest, so have you always. Yeah. And occasionally people have laughed. So I thought, it's you true. know what? People sometimes enjoy hearing me talk. Maybe people enjoy it for an hour. That's fine. But it was more of one of those things. It's like, I, I really wanted to, and I wanted to provide fans who were like me, who were, you know, who a little something different that wasn't given to them currently in the rugby league market. And it, there's a lot more podcasts like ours now than there was then, but that was what it was for me at the start. I was like, let's do this. I don't care if it has 50 listeners or a hundred listeners, you know, I don't care. It's obviously got a lot more than that, but at the time I was, like, I don't care. I just want to do this, see where it goes. And yeah, it's gone to an okay place now. It, mm. It's a pretty good, we're in a pretty good spot. But, uh, We've, yeah. I don't, you know, it's been, oh, a, it's, mean, been a, it's been a wild ride. It's been like six or seven years now. Yeah. Um, like yeah you know it's, it's been great i mean it probably peaked at magic round like having a meetup but we had enough people that yeah. wanted to come that we were able to book out a whole 
bar basically like that's yeah. pretty cool and we did have plans to do, we did have plans to do a live show before the um NRL, the grand final but obviously that's not happening now because of covid so maybe next year yeah the, the weird thing that it happens sometimes very rarely most people we meet again they treat us like we're just mates fine it is very weird when someone treats you like you're someone famous because you do a podcast and it does happen i don't want to say like i'm blowing smoke out of my ass or blowing out of my ass but it does happen and it's most of the people it's fine but it's i've had a couple of meetings i had someone who was like in front of me at a game and then instead of like speaking to me in my face like tweeted me that he was in front of me i've had that too me. it's so funny like, that was really weird and someone then, um, tweeted that they saw me on the train on the way to a game i'm like just come yeah. say hi like what the yeah, fuck i'm just like what are you spot- talking about spotted it's i'm like sitting spotted. on a fucking train reading a book like yeah, yeah no. don't tell hello. me you, you did that either come say hello or don't tell me or i've had people like you know, I met, I've had like a friend of a friend I met once and they were, they, somehow they were a fan of the podcast and we're at this dinner and they're spending the entire night asking me questions and like, uh, and telling me his favorite moments from the show. And like, that's amazing. And it was like, can look, it was fun five minutes. Can you seriously just fuck off? Don't say <laughs> like, that. No, it was like that after like He's three probably hours, listening like, right now. Oh, well, he knows who he is. Stop it. That's awesome. <laughs> he, doesn't give, he doesn't give us money. So uh, oh, I think that's great. Yeah, uh, no, it was just it was just got awkward. It's like, mate, look, it's really cool that you remember all the most of the podcast. But like, we're trying to have like a normal dinner. Can you not? <laughs> like, hey, remember that time you called Matt an idiot? Yeah, yeah, it's like, great. It's like, um, but uh, yeah, no, it's so that's how it started. That and the how it's going is you know pretty well. So yeah, yeah. yeah uh, next question from Rowan Edwards: What does Christian Welch's inevitable heel turn look like? Oh, I, I signs for the Roosters. Oh, God. Yeah, look, I don't want to... I, I have too much hope in our great man, but surely money can sway any man. Surely the, the coffers of racing into Wales come... <laughs> they come knocking soon, don't they? He's on no, a racing into Wales ad or something. <laughs> don't say things like that. Yeah. Uh, next question. Hamish Neal. Now that Michael Maguire's job is safe, which clo- coach is in line for the relentless hit pieces next? Um, yeah, it's quite funny because um, the media does need their guy to chase, don't they? Mm. They need someone, and it's not Brad Arthur right now either. So it's like maybe it's Trent Barrett next year, but I don't Todd know. Payne's too far away. He is, but yeah, Madge being safe was that. That's a laugh. If it, it totally feels like to me, like they put their feelers out. The coaches they wanted didn't want to go there, so could be Ivan if they lose this weekend and then have a like a sluggish start a little bit next year. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, Paul Mack is Bungard at all concerned that Blake Tarf seems very right sided when South Strike is all on the left? Good question. Um, no, it's fine. Uh, uh, he might be right though in the sense that like they did sort of sell them that they were going left in that game and then they went right to Taff in that moment where Jackson Paulo scored what was the winning try but um no even even if he's just, even if he can't throw that amazing cutout bar, pass that Latrell can which he obviously can't they still got Cody Walker over there and the shape and just everything else on that side of the field is still the same as it was and as long as he can pop up and throw like a three meter pass to an unmarked Alex Johnston it'll be fine which he did do in not, not to Alex Johnston but to whomever was on that wing in round 25 when he was against the dragons can't remember who it was but yeah um i'm not really worried about it but it's a fair it's a fair observation okay uh 
Uh, last question on Patreon from Paul Mack. He says it's 2031 and PVL now not only runs racing and rugby league, but all sport in Australia. Oh, leaving Mitch and Bunga disillusioned. What is the podcast about in 2031? It'd have to be movies, right? Or like TV shows from the 90s. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be some old man shit by that point. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Uh, we we talk about cooking and bunga. Go, I'd be like, oh, I remember how good the double was twenty you years ago. You won't, you won't. You won't be eating meat in ten years' time, my friend. Yeah, there you go. Well, we can have the double vegans. There you go. Together, we can have a, a vegan recipe podcast. There, there we go. There go. Well, there you go. Fantastic. Uh, what would it be? I don't know. If we kept, if we were not doing not doing rugby uh, league, I think it would like have... be more pop cultural, wouldn't it? Like in general. Yeah. Like to think... shoot the shit. Is there even a market for that? I guess by that point, our audience will be so established that there would be. So, yeah, they're left with no other choice. Uh, I did get asked by someone on Patreon, uh, ho- hopefully jokingly, to do a uh, a cooking show in the off season. Oh God! <laughs> well, I shan't be a part of that. Yeah, you can uh, you can film it, Bunga. Oh, good. All right. <laughs> okay, over onto Discord for the rest of your questions over there. What was the date last week again? Why do I always lose this? Oh, no. It's um the first question is Jez from the 17th. Oh, yes. Well, this is because uh, that's too much of an in-joke. It's like four of us are playing a game there. I'm not going to read that one. Okay, good. Benny DTD is signing kick out to go along with Tamalo, the most cowboy thing ever, considering they're paying nearly $2 million for the pair, plus nearly $1.2 million for Chad and Tommy. Uh, I mean, are they, is that a thing? If, oh, the rumors are they interested like eight to nine hundred thousand dollars a year for Billy Kikau and that the suitors are the uh, the Cowboys and the Dragons, and I hate that for anybody to pay him that much money, any one of them, but the Cowboys, ugh. Like I know he can still be his da- like a damaging player and one of the best ball running edge forwards in, in on his day, right? But generally, that's when Penrith are on top of games. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, he's more of he's a more of a luxury than the man who's going to change your team. So I hate that. Hey, yeah, they could it seems have like the, a bad sign. They could have him and Townsend next to each other for like one point eight, like one point six million dollars of the cap. You're kidding me. <laughs> what they get out of that? Yeah. Uh, next question, Jez. Who has the second best jaw in the in rugby league? Oh, I've, I don't know. Nathan Cleary's at the best jaw, obviously. I'm assuming that is what, yeah. Yeah. The set, well, Boyd Corden is now gone. Gee, it's tough. Pappenhausen's got a bit of a jaw, doesn't he? Sure. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not really a, I'm not really on a jaw watch enough. No, I, I can't I can't I can't answer it. I'm sorry. Uh Mario Siegs, and he's apologizing in advance, as he should be. Is Josh Morris Kevin Durant without a ring? I don't know what that means. Terrible comparison. I think he's calling me a ring chaser. Oh, oh that's not fair. Just watched play for the Bulldogs for ages. Yeah, I know. I don't know if that's what he's calling him, but Kevin. It's just that really he was talk- the best scorer. He's not even the best. I. I don't, I don't know like what it, it is. I like Josh Morris. I, I mean, I don't know what it means, and it's but it's just not the same thing either. Like Kevin Durant was the was like one of the best players in the NBA, frustrated on a team, you know, and then somehow because of the cap increase was able to move to the Golden State Warriors and go join an already super team and then brain the, brain the competition in a five-man sport kind of thing. You know, it's mm. different. Like, one player can't have Kevin Durant's impact in NRL. They can't. Uh, it's so... I'm just trying to think, what could it close? It'd be like... 
the was it the 2017 storm side that pissed the competition in? Yeah. It can't be one Durant to join them. It has to be the two next best players in the competition just join them the next year. But it's yeah, there's not really a comparison there. Like, I don't know. I know what he's getting at. Uh Benny asked this one. Why do people think Radley's a better lock than Ken Murray? Is it because Murray doesn't get suspended for stupid shit? <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's why, right? It doesn't have uh, that fire. I don't know, but like Ken Murray was already a good lock, and then they've changed the rules to like perfectly suit the Ken Murray style lock. <laughs> like it was like they here's a set of rules for this game that would make you the best you possibly can be. Then they gave him the Ken Murray. So you know, maybe you could have argued it two years ago. I think it's really hard to argue now that Radley's better than Murray. Yeah, Murray's the best. Uh, ben Wallace. Ben, boxing and UFC often have their greatest moments in a trilogy fight. <laughs> Talk about how a repeat of the 2007 and 2008 grand finals were the third and final time deciding a trilogy grand final is truly the greatest option for the fans. I hate you, Ben. I mean, I don't know if that's really a trilogy. I obviously, he's obviously taking the piss and I don't I know, know but it's, it's quite like the funny James though, Cameron trilogy it's like the next the sequel's coming out in 14 um, years there's <laughs> obviously zero players left from those teams right was Brom- uh, no Bromwich yeah. wouldn't have been there in 08 would he no so uh, yeah, no one's even close what am I saying Cherry Evans was like debuted in like 2010 or 11 right yeah so um, there's no one left Stewart or yeah no is anyone even still in the NRL no no. Uh, Des Hasler and Craig Bellamy are still there. Though. That's probably important. There you go. There, but there's no one else left in the NRL either. No. Oh, there is. Adam Blair. No, uh, he's not left in the NRL. Is he still active? I thought he went to England. Or did he just retire? He's gone, mate. He oh. retired last year. I thought he went to England for some no. reason. Oh, okay. Never mind. No. Uh, is there uh, anyone else? No, there's not. No. Okay. Well, Israel Folau is still playing rugby league. <laughs> <laughs> Ben Quagliata, does Brandon Smith send unsolicited text messages to the entire nation like his hero, Craig Kelly? That hurt. I'm not going to lie. Uh, it, it doesn't hurt me because, again, these like the, the reaction to like footy players being anti-vax is like, again, what do you expect? Mm. Honestly, like they're not footy players for their smarts. They're not. And a lot of them, I don't want to disrespect a lot of the guys there, but a lot of them are not there because they were intelligent men. Growing up. A lot of them didn't need to do, learn anything for fuck's sake, you know? But a lot of them have come from lower socioeconomic backgrounds. A lot of them also come from that uh, question everything that goes in their body mentality. A bit different to me and you have. Like, a lot of them are on that, they're on crazy diets, crazy management, and don't like anything. Mm. I know they have pain pills or whatever, but it's like, yeah, like, whatever. And of course, a lot of them have cooked dumb opinions. Like, you grab 500 people and put them in a room, there's going to be some fuckwits. That's NRL players as well. There's going to be some fuckwits. And him, Craig Kelly stuff sucks, but I'm not going to change my opinion on thinking Brennan Smith is a cool player and a funny guy because he likes Craig Kelly. And again, not, he shared one thing. It's impossible to... Yeah. I'm not fucking out there supporting Brendan Smith's political opinions. Like, there's no Colby Covington characters in the NRL, as far as I know. But it's like um, it, like the, the famous Charles Bar- Barkley quote, mate. Like, I enjoy rugby league players and similar, but yeah, they can be heroes and idols in one sense, but their whole fucking image isn't. It isn't. Except Christian Welch. He's a hero. That's true. <laughs> uh, Amanda Plowright. When will the Boom Rookies basketball summer tournament start? Do you want to read that again? Do you want to read basketball. That again? Basketball. Basketball. Uh, um, once we can go outside, we will happily organize a basketball tournament for our Sydney-based patrons. Um, Psych outs are encouraged. 
Uh, when, sorry, name the regular fullbacks that are worse than Dylan Edwards. Says That's Frank. mean. I just want to ask that question because there's a question later about why did everyone pile on the Panthers? And the one of the two who liked it, one was Frankie. The man who wrote that, <laughs> said two questions later, is like jumping on board. Yeah, why does everyone pile on the Panthers? Yeah. yeah uh, Dylan I, I, I Edwards, I don't like answering. I just don't think it's productive to just shit on people for no reason. Yeah, uh, and I, I like shooting on people for a reason, but again, like, does it really matter at this point? No. Uh, ben Wallace says, if 2020 was big man season, there's 2021 big brain season. I like that. Sure. <laughs> and yeah, Wayne, I'm not going to really talk about the Discord on the... <laughs> but it's a fair point. People it. really it don't like the Panthers. They anyway, don't. read the next one, Mitch. Question for Mitch. Somebody offered you $100,000 to read two random paragraphs with no slip-ups. Could you do it? Well, you had a slip-up 25 seconds ago reading the word basically. Yes, I could so. do it. Like, it's a bit different. Mm, if I have we're to not, sit we're down not getting rich. read through them, We're not fine. getting rich. We're in trouble. Who said we? I didn't say someone offered both of us. Well, it's you didn't read podcast. that properly, mate? It's a question for the <laughs> podcast. So, Question for Mitch, it says. I think uh, that what's mine is yours in a podcast context. There you go. No, I, look, I can do that shit. Obviously, when I'm blasting through your terribly written fucking questions, sometimes I love I this. You are impassionately right now screaming, I can read into the microphone. Yes, I am. <laughs> I'm a like, smart what, boy. Like, I know sometimes I write tweets as well, right? And I send them, and I read them back. I'm like, fuck, that doesn't read very well. Sometimes you guys send us questions that has the same thing written like five times in it. So often also, I stop and cut them out reading them. There was one earlier that had the said the phrase "all sport" in it three times. When all the other kids were talking about Harry Potter, did no. you feel left out because you couldn't read it? No, no, I was. I'll wait till that becomes a movie, okay. <laughs> and then I'll see it. <laughs> right. uh, ben Quagliata, obviously Dylan Edwards isn't a long-term start fullback. Would you consider playing him on the wing in 2022 and having Charlie Stangs maybe? And I don't know who the fuck that is. Sunia Taruva. Cut. Don't know yeah. who that is as full-time fullback. See, I'm someone who pays attention to reserve grade, right? Yeah. And it hasn't been enough for the last years. Mm. But Dylan Edwards is not a winger. You don't need a long-term start at fullback to win. It you can win a competition yes. with Dylan Edwards at fullback. They nearly yes, did last year. And they still might this it, year. And people go at Dylan Edwards right because Penrith fans are so sensitive about it. Yeah, it is. Make, it does not make giving it a shit. It's like, you know, you got, you, you've been at a good team with but shit. Me with Nathan before. Merritt. Yeah, I was about to say, not just It Nathan upsets Merritt, me a lot, like, but I just let it go. You had like Dave Tyrrell and Jason Clark in a good team. They're great players. You give a shit about people picking on Dave Tyrrell when you were killing it? No. Well, like, why would you pick on the best value for money crop exactly. in the league? There you go. It's I don't like, know. Penrith fans are so sensitive about Dylan Edwards, so everyone keeps hammering him. And I go- agree that he's on an elite fullback, but it's like, well, whatever. You can win a comp with him at fullback. Yeah. You won't. You just got to zag the other way with this stuff. It's like Mark Nichols. I'm just like, we just, South fans will start calling him the goat and it's funny. And you can't just be like, he sucks. Cause like, we don't care. He's the goat. So, and like, I know we always want to replace players and improve positions, right? But if you keep trying to, like, you can't keep doing that. It doesn't Mm. work. Keep replacing, looking for the next best thing always. Like, if you were looking to replace guys that look replacement level at Penrith the last couple of years, they wouldn't have Isaiah. Like, Kate Capewell wouldn't have had an NRL career. Kate Capewell, sorry. Like, Jerome Luai would never have got his starting gig because he sucked for like two years. Like, I don't think Dylan Edwards ever going to go, you know, take off and be someone else. But it's not worth for a lottery ticket at someone else in mind. Like, I would have done the Dane Laurie things. I'd, I'd seen Dane Laurie, but Charlie Staines, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, I agree with that. Well, and they, they, you wouldn't give 
they, they've got Crichton next year, right? Or is he leaving? They've got him. Yeah, well... I think he's a long-term fullback maybe in like two yeah, years. Yeah, like he looks good in that game against Souths. But he played well. Okay, uh, next question. Friday Beers says, which yeah. standalone movie would you love to see a sequel for? Um, well, I don't want to just cop out and say Basketball 2. So, uh, okay, well, I would love to see that. But... Um, I'm trying to think. There's definitely movies out there that it's it's hard to answer that question. We could probably answer the question at what is the movie, the best movie that set up for a sequel that never came? Yeah, okay. So we're talking like there's some bad ones, but there's like uh, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Remember? They set up for a sequel that has changed Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Uh, <laughs> Incredible Hulk. Never got it. They just set up. Nothing happened. Fuck, what was that terrible? Like, it was like they were trying to do Narnia and Daniel Craig was in it. His Dark Materials. The Golden Compass, correct. Yeah, his Dark Materials. <laughs> Dude, I yeah. love those. I've yeah. read those books like a million. Again, it comes back to reading. I read those books a million times. Like, I love those books. They should have been such a good movie series and it just kind yes. of didn't happen. That was it. I remember seeing that movie and be, like, I remember being pumped for it because, again, I was like 16 when it came out and I was like, oh, that. Oh, that was the movie. <laughs> like, I wouldn't mind a, good? I wouldn't mind like a, I, I guess the ending kind of doesn't leave it, but like I wouldn't have minded some sort of, there's a couple of movies like American History X or something where I would like to see like the next generation or something like, I don't know. But like. Yeah. Um, there's some movies like, um, what did I say recently? But often lots of movies set up like the, uh, the opportunity for a sequel that has never come. Yeah. What was another one? Oh, John Carter was a huge flop. That was supposed to have a sequel. <laughs> um, now, nah, uh, nah, I'm lost. I don't think what movie would I want a sequel to. Most movies are wrapped up in a nice little package. I wouldn't have minded <laughs> another Inception instead of just, you know, him making weird, bad movies instead. Oh, I would also, yeah, I would like more good movies from, from Christopher him. Nolan. Please make. Yeah. I wanted to see the sequel to 1917, 1918, but it hasn't come out yet. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Like, I mean, the Avatar ones don't have... Oh, actually, I've got one. Sequels. I would love... I, yeah. I, I need another train to Busan. I love that movie so much. Um, I think they are, They might actually have tried to make another one or are going... I, I don't know. But Train to Busan... Because I've been on a real horror movie tear lately, as you know, and I rewatched that the other day. It's so fucking good. Um, okay. Next question. Those questions are always the ones that are so good that I'm like, I always thought we never answered them well enough I think on the I, podcast. I, I, but I it's think, fine. I think we we'll get okay. up have people will start hammering it on like which would be good on Discord tomorrow with the better answers and you're like mm. oh well I'm an idiot. That's true. <laughs> and yet people listen to me speak. Harvey, right. uh, are Panthers fans who've stuck to their guns on Dylan Edwards being a good fullback for so long cowards if they take it back now? Yes, you got to stick with yes. it. You got to die on these islands. I stuck I mean, through Alex get... Johnston playing fullback and now he's back to being the best winger in the world again. It's fine. Yeah, Penrith fans, a lot of them went down that weird path of trying to justify the intangible reasons why he made like, the team go. You know, he makes the team just, that's it. He's the guy, he's the oil, you know, mm. he's the gas. Glue. No, he's not. He's just in the team, okay? Yeah. <laughs> oh, JC99, is Michael Jordan the NBA's version, the de- version of DC? All right, we got to talk about this. Is that the worst thing you've ever seen? If people missed this, there was a promo package for the Dally M Awards the other night, so. and I know you saw him. Explain yeah. to other people, but yeah. and they and I can't remember the exact names, but Matt Nabel did the voiceovers, and it was like the clutchest people in sport: Messi, Michael Jordan, DCE, and uh, yeah, people lost their goddamn minds about it. 
Yeah, not uh, not their best work. And it was at the Dallium night, wasn't it? A war yes, night? So, arguably their funniest work, though. Yes, I mean, and good enabling. We're all, we're mm. all about a good enabling, aren't we? So, uh, next question, Chris Avenel. Mm. What sport will DC play when he retires mm. for the first time before returning to the series? <laughs> uh, dear, oh dear. It's, it's being like a, a submarine periscope. Is that a sport? Don't be nasty. Uh, Brennan Sloan, which TV network will host a 75-minute live television event for DC to announce the details of his next, con- of his next contract. Oh, <laughs> well, Fox good. did that. Fox yeah. Sports did that. They did like a whole year of him talking on fucking 360. Hmm. Uh, Brendan also asked, what d- dirt does Michael Maguire have on the West Tigers board and Justin Pascoe? And Look, serious question, what constitutes a success for the Michael Maguire their Tigers next year? All right, so I don't know if people saw that statement that Maguire sent out to basically all of the media today. Um, but like, I, I know you're never really going to get like a satisfactory sort of outcome from reading something like that, but I kind of get like, it's it, it's just basically if people didn't see it said that he's just happy to keep working there, the recruitment won't change. They want to bring in players that can help their team, all that stuff. And, and he said all the right things. And look, if people just want, if people are on favor for it, because as I said on Monday, they just don't want to sack their or sack or have their eighth coach depart in however many years since Tim Shane's left, then I think that's fine. I wouldn't have done it, but well, I mean, there's nothing you can do about it now. You just got to, I guess, accept it and get on board. But I don't think it's the most ridiculous retention in history. I think, I think off the top of my head, like Paul McGregor getting a couple of those extensions was more ridiculous than this. But like, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, I really hope it goes better for them. Yeah, I don't define a success. I like, consider his job safe. I mean, he has to make the finals, and he won't. Yeah, like, like I, I don't see how the situation turns around between now and next season. I look I just forward don't, like, to February next year when I once again pick them to come out. They didn't like. They just don't. For my opinion, the, the the roster is kind of done with him. It looked like they were done with him, and I don't think you're gonna Maguire your way out of it to an off season. They yeah. keep yelling at them to work harder and be better. It's not gonna happen. Uh, and JC99 says, "Is keeping Madge purely an off field decision from the Tigers board? Are they trying to save face and not look like a club who sacks coaches despite there being no way he brings on field success?" Well, if they were gonna have to pay him out, and they don't really have a ready made replacement lined up. What else could they have done here? That's my other question. I, that's what I said. I do think they probably sounded out some candidates they liked, like Cam Serraldo, and didn't get the answers they wanted. That's what I reckon happened. Because totally the drums were beating. Turn of events. Yeah, the drums were beating, and that leaky board doesn't go to the media for no reason. <laughs> you know, they don't. The board's all there, all leaky, and they probably had a chat to some candidates they wanted. They weren't interested, and that's what they're stuck with. And I guess in that sense, I don't know what they can do then if they don't get the candidates they want, but I still think they were better off with a refresh and, you know, it's maybe they're working on something longer term with someone. But I, I don't believe he's the future of that club, and I reckon behind closed doors they would also agree that he's not seeing the rest of next season out. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and Manny P, did Tiger Town save Madge's job? It probably did help. We always come yes. out of hard knocks thinking that like guys are better than they are and coaches are better than they are, apart from Jeff Fisher. But um, yeah, no, it certainly would have helped. 100%. It, it definitely brought, for mine, it brought a long, lot of fans on side with him despite performances. And there's a lot of people actually wanting to keep him. Mm. 
I reckon it'd be a big part of saving his job. Okay, not so mature now says some news outlets have suggested the Warriors looking to move on Chanel Harris to Vita. You think the Eels should pick him up and move Dylan Brown into 13? Now, before you let you answer, Bungard, I used to, I, to say, I used to mock these questions like three years ago. Of not anymore. To lock. Not anymore. Now it is a viable option. You can just put anyone at lock, put on 10 kilos. He's better than Dylan Walker. Get him, whatever, get him in there. <laughs> you know? I mean, I wouldn't do it. Neither would I. I think Dylan Brown's better than Channel Harris Tavita, but whatever. Yeah, I think I think Harris Tavita will have some options. I think they're quite similar in the sense they're both those guys still learning their craft, both sold defensively, and both didn't do anything that plays them off the field, but they won't get dropped when they're not playing well because they don't make a lot of mistakes. Mm. I don't think you want both of them. Dylan Brown's <laughs> an interesting one because like this is a guy who was getting like Kalen Ponga, young Luke Brooks level hype two years ago. And it's just kind of yeah. fizzled, just vanished. Uh, but that's just we're just the worst with fucking hype anyway. Though, we are. We, we are. Oh, it's killing me. Uh, Jez plus what referees should Australia be sending to the World Cup? Currently, we're sending Atkins, Sutton, and Klein. <laughs> I mean, I mean it's next year. I uh, I can't say that I care, but I think Sutton's still the best ref in the game. Um, so no issues there. Bring the Matt badge che- back. Mac Checkin's retired. Badge is gone. Like, there's yeah. no one else, really. I think yeah, that- no, actually, I know, I know you have a Grant Atkins gripe. I don't mind Grant Atkins. Um, I don't mind him when he's not refereeing South. Yeah, like I have my, Jared, <laughs> my Jerry Sutton gripes. But yeah, Klein is um one of the world's great refereeing mysteries, I feel, because he's never been, understood it. He's made so he many mistakes in so many Under attack by fans, like his entire career. Like from the start to now, <laughs> you know, I'm obviously taking the piss a bit with the Grand Atkins stuff, but Ashley Klein yeah. is legitimately just like by like a lot of, and I know the internet fans mean very little, but like there is a lot of vitriol towards that man. But he's also one of those guys. Like if you're down at the pub, right, watching a game, those glorious faces, the pubs. Very often mm. people won't know who the referee is. They just won't. They haven't watched enough. Like I reckon a lot of people don't know who Grand Atkins. They is. wouldn't. Ashley Klein, almost everyone knows who Ashley fucking Klein is, they'll say. You know? oh, and they'll Ash- say Ashley, Ashley got, fucking yeah. Klein. Yeah, they will. Well. That's, why, that's why I said it. Uh, two more questions. Hunter Austin, where would you like to see the line drawn between consistency and accuracy in referee decisions? Would you rather one bad interpretation be repeated for the sake of consistency? That is a great question. I don't know. <laughs> I don't care that much about the consistency. I... Yeah, it, it seems... It does frustrate me that like something dumb happens once, so we just have to accept it going forward. But at the same time, yeah. like sometimes things that look dumb, like the obstructions and stuff, like that rule is there because when it was a gray area, it was chaotic. And it was. We had a mm-hmm. few years there where like the obstruction rule was the most contentious thing in the sport. So they just made it black and white. You cannot do this no matter what. And the players know that. So I think I'm more okay with that instance than it sort of being changed every week on the fly or left up to like gut feel kind of thing. So yeah. yeah, I mean, I I do I agree with you. I I do want consistency. I I understand. I want it, but I want it on the actual interpretation of the rule. Bad ones should be thrown out when they happen. But I do like sometimes it can be very frustrating with things like the the inside ten kick chase and kicking offside things. That's different all the time. <laughs> like all the time that that one has. No inconsistency, consistency at all about the interpretation of being inside ten following a kick. Like I think every one of them, it's either all of them are penalties or they're not. But it seems to be depending on the game it's played in, which is weird. Uh, accuracy obviously matters, but 
we're never going to find consistency and full accuracy in anything with humans because humans suck, mm. but especially humans running around fatigued with like one look at something and whatever. The, the worst is no doubt though. The worst thing is when we always see it, when we sit there and watch the bunker get one wrong and then they admit it was wrong on Monday and it's like, how the hell did that happen? Like, yeah, I can obviously forgive refereeing mistakes on the field yeah. because we all make mistakes and we're all human, but like the bunker should never get anything wrong ever. Yeah. Like they literally have the time to look up. Like if we were allowed to keep it. recording this podcast over and over again every time we made a mistake until like we didn't make any mistakes, we would not make mistakes. Yes. And that's just like so, yeah. Yeah. Uh last question. Ben Wallace says, What is your most disliked footy footy cliche? He for one hates saying we define some consistency when your team plays poorly. You can also be consistently terrible. Yes, you can be consistently terrible. Mm, the Bulldogs have made a living out of that the last few years. Yeah. What's my most hated? Okay. My most hated cliche for a long time was bring back the little man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I hated it because it didn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything still. It's just when we play footy like the 90s. I hate that. And I also hate the wrestle. The wrestle was going to be my pick. Doesn't mean anything, Bungers. Half the time people say it, they don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. They don't know. And they also don't watch enough games. So, oh, well, I don't care. They're all blown out, but at least the rest is gone. Who told you it was gone? It's not gone. It's never going. Yeah. Okay, that's the questions. All right, we did it. We got to the end of another episode. Um, Before we go, I'd like to give a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you want to be a patron and support us, go to patreon.com forward slash NRL Boom Rookies. You get access to our Discord server, entry into next year's Coltrane Cup. Merchandise is included and some other bonuses as well. And if you are in the top two tiers... Uh, you also get a shout out on every single episode of the podcast, which is what I'm going to do right now. So a very special thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Carlo Tyson, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Wayne Ritchie, Alex Sergicomi, Ben Wallace, Blake Murdy, Butsy, Cam Beswick, Chris Slade, CTO, Dan Cullinane, Doc Hogg, and anonymous backer, Don Dick, Frankie, Harvey G, Jace G, James K, Jason, Jess, Joel Wrigley, Josh Brandon, Josh Tommy 98, Lachlan Hancock, Leon, Matty Jenkins, Matt Coleman, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Morgan Watkins, my ting dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Party keg. Razor, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Simo, Stephen Hickey, Schwartz, Ty, the not so mature student, Thor Laycock, Tom Hardy, Warwick Ahern. Thank you so much for your continued support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. There will be no more podcasts if South lose on Friday. Uh, it's been nice knowing you uh, all for the last few years. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at, Mitch. Yeah, I'm. Uh... I mean, I'm looking at a property tomorrow, mate, as you know. Hopefully moving back to the inner west, getting out of this North Shore shithole. Mm. It's so, exciting. Yeah, lot, lot, getting good. Waiting yeah, for what, October 18th, not October. that far away. Could be now. the 11th as well. We've got the inside yeah. scoop on that. Could also be yeah. the 11th instead, but we'll we'll wait and see. Souths are going to win, right? Souths. Uh, Just say well, yes. It's quite so funny. End the show. You know, many people, many people look, look up the kimono. We're recording the previews post the questions. So maybe there's some takes back there I've forgotten I had. <laughs> but um, just say yes so we can end the show. Yes. All right, excellent. Say goodbye, Mitchell. Goodbye, Mitchell. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs> <laughs>